stretch out Think your skin can bring you so much pain Now I hear you say You got the best of both ways Won't you come and take a walk in my shoes And tell me if you take my place Under the Welcome to episode number 221 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Thanks for giving us a bit of your attention. I know there's a lot of running podcasts out there and appreciate that you chose us to put in your ears. Uh, hopefully you're going out for a run and we can keep you company for the next 60, 90 minutes. Got a bit of an interview coming at the end this week, all the regular segments. And um, yeah, we'll be doing our thing. Welcome to my co-host up in Canberra, the King of Canberra, back out in Mulligans this week, Bradley Croker. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brady. Yeah, I think uh, it was the longest break I've had away from Mulligan since I first started running out there. I liked uh, it I when like... I saw the map. You know, when you're scrolling through Strava, things are a bit boring, and then you see the old Mulligan's map pop up. It's been weeks yeah. since that, that month, wasn't it? Was it was like 40, yeah, 42 days, I think, mm. between runs. So uh, I was definitely a lot fitter last time I ran out, ran out there. Good to see you back. We'll talk about your week in a second. My other co-host, the 2019 representative at the World Championships for the Male Men's Marathon. Welcome, Julian Spence. We're going to have to keep replaying that, aren't we? Because I can't see anything else popping up. What about you winning that blue run a couple of weeks ago? Oh, yeah. That was big. I was thinking, though, when I was listening to that, that was another thing I should have brought up last week. Brad, you might be able to help me here. Would any fun run in Australia, and I'm including every single park run in there, I reckon there's about 300 park runs, would any of those be won in a slower average K pace than what Moose won this run in? This would be the easiest run in Australia to win, wouldn't it? Three, was it three? 332s or something, wasn't you it, Moose? look at the map? No, I don't look at maps, just look at <laughs> average pace. You ever, run on a, you ever run on a beach before? No. Soft sand? Never, actually, never run on a Oh, actually, yeah, once in Thailand, I went up and down the beach a couple of times. Patong yeah, Beach, yeah. Low tide. Uh, Unfortunately, Brady, I'm, I'm with Moose on this one. I think this is this is reeks of you living in a town that doesn't have a hill Three and has per- perfectly flat, straight Check roads. Check out the hill. <laughs> what was the elevation going? Well, it was only 7K or something, wasn't it? I'll pull it up right now because um, I'm pretty sure oh, the elevation gain would have been... Uh, it, whoa. I don't know. You had COVID. You don't be too hard on yourself. You probably had COVID at the time. Uh, it's a trail too. Like it was half a single track. It's so similar other... to that. Um, what about that fun run down there for um, Athletics Victoria? I've done races down there before. No, it's not. Caravan it's Park? Does, it, yeah. doesn't go, it doesn't go over. The, that, that doesn't go through the single track or on the hills. That's pretty rough, that course though, that one I'm talking about. Yeah, that's a trail race. That's a trail race like this one. Uh, it. 132 meters, over 7k. Yeah, yeah. 8K. So that's, you know, close to close to 20 meters a k. So that's that's in the hilly that's in the hilly range. I thought we could really gain up in there, Croaks. Start of the show, two on one. But oh, good on you, Croaks. You appreciate a good cross country course. <laughs> well, where, where we can gang up on him is remember he put that put that photo through today of his photo from the 2019 World Champs and. Um, yeah, the hair on him. So it's like his race result and his hair have both sort of disappeared since then. Yeah, so I got a bit of an education on that group chat today. So for the listeners, this is your world athletics profile. Some people have their photos on there. I always thought it was Olympians that got their photos on there, but Moose has a photo of himself on his profile. 
Luke Matthews mm. has got one. Jess Stenton. This is how I the conversation started. I think you can upload started. your own photos. Is that what you did or did it just no, appear? No, I, I think we had to – I think they took it from AA. But I don't – because you. I think you have a pass. You have a pass while you're there and they use that photo because it gets you into like a, like um, areas or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm going to um, – what, you just reckon you can upload any photo, like shirt off and stuff? On there. Brady will have a photo on there next week. <laughs> Look at him, he's already typed. How do I do this? I was actually literally, I'm opening up my profile now, seeing if it says add add photo anywhere. Someone else might have. Yeah, no, nah, not yet. It says your date of birth and your age and stuff on there, though. They, mm. they shouldn't be able to show that, should they? Why? Why? Well, it's well, on like all the it's all AA, AA rankings. It's all on there. Does that have your date of birth as well? Yeah, yeah. If you go to the AA website and have like the rankings for the year or whatever, it's um, yeah, you have your birth date there. What's stopping like someone googling your profile, Croaks, and then ringing the local bank up there in Canberra, and they're like, "Oh, we just want to verify if this is the right Bradley Croker. What's your date of birth?" Bam. Well, I think you need I think you need a few more details than just what's your date of birth. Someone try that in, can you? Right, right in. What about, you know, need, what about you know, if they looked you know, at your Strava and found your address? Yeah. You normally have to see some documents and you know. But they got your address as well, though, Croaks. I don't know my address. Oh, you don't run from home, do you? No. Nah. I've got that privacy. Oh, that would, it would be easier to find that address. Plus, even if I run from home, I actually walk, like, to the bottom of the... I, I don't actually... I walk, like, I don't know, 500 metres before I start anyway. To protect your privacy? No, nah, more just because I don't want to walk... I don't want to run down, like, a pretty steep hill to start. just prefer to walk down until it flattens off a bit. Uh, good point, though, Moose. Privacy to chat. Mm. Anyway, let's get in the show. Croaks, you want to go first? You're back. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not back, but uh, I'll take you through my week. So <clears throat> Monday was my second day of running, um, but it was broken up with some run walk. So I did three by 10 minutes uh, with a 90-second walk in between at like, um, I think it was on 11.5K an hour, so like 5.15s or something, and um, heart rate was yeah pretty high still. Um, and then the next day, like that, but I felt okay doing it. So I thought the next day I'd just do like 30 minutes continuous. So I kept that on the on the treadmill as well. Same sort of pace, um, like 5.13s. Um, yeah, so heart rate was still like, you know, into the one, well, into the 150s, like during the run. So that was Tuesday. And then Wednesday I thought I'd have my first run outside. So just did like one one lap of mulligans, which is like seven k. So that was four thirty fours, and um, like in terms of running, like I actually feel okay. Like my heart rate's just super high. Um, you know, like pretty much all of the runs that I've been doing, I've averaged in the one fifties. Um, but I've been able to like you know, I ran with a few guys on Saturday and talked the whole way. But it's just just high. I don't know whether it's COVID. Um, you know, we've chatted about it heaps. That when you're unfit, your heart rate just gets a lot higher. For you know, the perceived effort's not that high, but heart rate's high. Um, which I'm not too concerned about. That'll come down. Like the only real issue I'm having my running at the moment is I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. If you've had like a long break and you've come back, but tops of your quads, adductors, and psoas just gets really like domsy during the run. It's almost that feeling if like towards the end of a marathon where your legs start to just lock up on you because you know the muscles are just fatigued. Like I'm getting that like 10 minutes into runs. And then for the rest of the day, if I go to like stretch my groin, like my adductors and that, they're just so sore and tight. Um, so I've pretty much had that like every 
every run that I've I've done. Um, <clears throat> so that was Wednesday, and then that afternoon I went and saw the physio, and I hadn't seen him since I hurt my calf. Uh, so he said, look, just be careful with the calf. Even though I wasn't having, I hadn't felt it at all on any of these runs. He's like, look, I'd suggest probably not running more than three days in a row and just giving yourself a day break and then slowly like increasing the volume. So I took then Thursday off, um, because I'd done like, you know, three or four days in a row, then did another 7k loop at Mulligans on the Friday, um, which was yeah 4:30 average, and then Saturday morning I met a few guys that I coach um, for a run around East Basin, Lake Burley Griffin, and then for some coffee afterwards, and that was another step up. So I went 45 minutes, um, just over 10k at 4:27. So and then I took Sunday off. Um, yeah, so a week of 36 kilometres. Uh, Fitness not good. Uh, I feel like I'm moving. Like when I'm running, I feel pretty good, other than just like this constant just DOMS tightness through, you know, tops of quads, adductors, and psoas. So that's where I'm at. But calf, calf's 100%. Toe seems good. Yeah. That adductor stuff, I've def like I get that coming back for sure. Mm, yeah. I got that back after COVID. It's like OP for me. It, yeah. Um, yeah, so like I like I don't think for me I could I don't think it's OP for me, but it's just something where it's almost like the five weeks that I've had off. Yes, I was exercising on the bike, but your um your hip stabilizers like they just don't have to work during that period that you've had off. So then you start back running, and your pelvis and your legs are going through a completely different range of motion than what they're used to, you know, for the previous five weeks, and they're just not used to that load and you know i guess the adductors then have to compensate is that what you'd say moose uh yeah i i think i don't know for me going over hills definitely makes like stirs mine up and and, and it looks like you've been back to mulligans which is mm. pretty hilly so could be could be that i'm not yeah. sure exactly what it is but yeah, I know what you're feeling like. I'm not. I'm not concerned. Like, it's not. It's not a pain that I go. Oh shit! I need to stop running here. It's just a pain that you need to just go. All right. Well, this is going to decrease the more that I run and the more consistent that I am. And have you been? Have you been um, sitting down a lot? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess you know that five weeks I didn't really do much at all. And like the only exercise I was doing, I was sitting down. I was on the bike. Yeah. So yeah, probably need to do a little bit more. Um, you know, just stretching and mobilization work. Yeah, I reckon I get mine days up, like when I'm at work sitting down, like doing book work and stuff, I always seem to have a um, have real tight through that area. Yeah. The one thing I've, the one thing I sort of, it makes you realise when you're coming back from, you know, and like I haven't had a massive time off, like five weeks, but like as runners, we're very rarely satisfied with our current level of fitness, but you know, I would. You look back to five weeks ago, and it's like, yeah, I was I was relatively fit. Like I'd say probably eighty percent. But you're like, oh, I'm not real happy with where I'm at. But you know, you you sort of take it for granted when you can actually just go out and run and you know get through sessions that are you know you give you, you give yourself a score out of eight out of ten. Um, so I'm certainly going to when I do get back to some sort of level of fitness, even if it's not the fitness that I want at the time, be sort of appreciative for <laughs> at least being pretty fit. Yeah, you just need three weeks of being on this show saying, like, am I better than I was this time last week? Mm. And you can say that this week for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Look at this time yeah. last week. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. run at all. No, nah, that's true. I've yeah. clocked up 30, 36 Ks. 
patience. Patience is so important at this time. What about this? What about how he's progressed? Three by 10 minute 513s, 6K at 513s, then straight back on the hills, 434s. Just there is no no middle ground for you. And 434, 26. But on the treadmill, I actually, like perceived effort, you know, like five thirteen would be five would be four forty fives outside. I reckon, like, in terms of you're yeah. on like eight percent or something. <clears throat> no, just one. But I don't know. Just like the treadmill always just feels harder for me than it does outside. But uh, you get it. Yeah. You might need to calibrate it or something. Four four thirties don't yeah. <laughs> certainly don't feel as well. The pace still feels like comfortable, but it's more just that you know, yeah. Just that uncomfortableness through your sort of groin and and hips, just like it's just like a rusty gate, really. Um, Canberra Marathon Croaks, how many weeks away? <laughs> it's like ten weeks. Yeah, you'll be right. I'll not small, be small builder. I'll not, I'll not be doing Canberra Marathon. You, just, you don't you've have to be it. a perfectionist about it. You've heard crate. it here. Just have I, a go I, at it, mate. I haven't run. For, I haven't run a two-hour run for like eight, like getting close to two months, and it's going to take me another <laughs> month to get up to that. What did you so, say? It was 10 weeks, 11 yeah. weeks. Yeah, so... 10 weeks yesterday. Be, You've been uh, pretty yeah, fit in six yeah, or seven weeks, though. Then just a couple of long runs. Just uh, have some be, fun. I won't be running Canberra Marathon. <laughs> so, mm, damn, yeah. I thought we had him there, Moose. A couple of yeah. months ago, I thought he's kind of commit to this. We'll get a race out of him. You're nearly going to race. Mm-hmm. How are we, you're not expecting to get through, like, six months without an injury. Or, you, you're an injury Like, you're an injury man now, just Mate, like me. Yeah. We got to deal at, with it. Bullshit! Look at my last year. Look, up until five weeks ago, I had had tw- I had twelve days off in the previous twelve months. Why didn't you race then? Mm. I did. It's a five k. Do you regret it now, Croaks? Like now that you're a bit unfit, not being like, oh, why wasn't I racing better when I was that 85, 90 percent uh, fit? Racing not really. Better. Not really, because I know that whatever time I race, I'm not going to be like, it's you know, for me, running was always about trying to run a PB, and it's like. Even when I was eighty-five percent fit before I got injured, like that was never going to happen. So, going out and running a 30, 40, 10k, like it's, you know, you'd only be doing it for the atmosphere. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross the line feeling pumped. Thirty, forty, you reckon, Brady? <laughs> Whatever. Well, <laughs> well, even, even what? Well, yeah. So, but like, you've I got 14, to find. I fourteen, forty something earlier in the year, and I don't reckon I was any worse fit come in December. <laughs> so I reckon that equates to a. Sub 31 minute 10k, doesn't it? No, when did you have all that time off? You never made it back after that, did you? When did you get your vaccination? September, October. Yeah, I jogged, I jogged for a while. Yeah, like in from like August, I jogged for about two months. Oh, yeah, then you got back going. And then I got back, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, maybe you just got to reframe it differently and just be like, I'm just doing it for the experience or a bit of fun or like yeah. you just attach racing with PBs. Yeah, and that's the way I've always run, and so now it's like just it just sort of loses that appeal. Yeah, I still go, I still enjoy running. I still go and enjoy training. Yeah, but it's that racing component. Yeah, just does doesn't float my boat as much anymore, which we've found, which I've said multiple times. We'll keep trying to change that, but anyway, see what happens. Moose, tell us about your week. You back? Well, my my week was better than the week before. Good. If that's if that's how I'm. That's um, all we need to do on things. this show. Yeah. Well, we both had COVID the week before, so. <laughs> Yeah. We started at the bottom of you two. 
yeah, my week got better, so I ran on the Monday, smacked my head up. Remember that? Still yep. bloody, still a wound on my head right now. Uh, then the next, the next day, I, I ran with Watto actually. So we ran around Ballarat, just around um, the lake. Back, I can't like it's. I run with a fair few people still. No one half steps like that man. He he can take a nice gentle run, easy day, and turn it into a fucking like just below marathon effort mm-hmm. sort of tempo, just on an easy day, and it just drives me insane. Uh, so we ended up running faster than I wanted, and every sort of five minutes I look at my, oh, probably every minute I look at my watch, and I'm like, we're too fast. Can we slow down? slow down in the end just grab his shirt pull him backwards like physically grab him pull him back <laughs> uh, but it is good because the next day we ran um toby your um your nemesis now brady he yeah, got one each man toby don't we yep he we went out for a run the next day out at um wolf loop so the wolf loop is where actually this was sort of like a big part i reckon of, of when I improved my running, I spent a lot of time in this forest parking up at five ways before work. Uh, Watto and I had run out here and um, Toby started doing it too. So you can expect some, some big some big gains from Toby in the next year or so. We had a good run, so we, had, we went way too hard again. Um, something about, it must be Watto's fault because I don't do it at home. So 4.16s, which is pretty hilly little loop, and great to be back out there. Really enjoyed it. Uh, stopped on my way home with a double. So just like an hour in the car. I was, and then so I stop after an hour and then run just on the other side of Winchelsea, kind of in a place called Durang, just up and back on the dirt roads. But the, the dirt road is, the dirt roads at the moment are shit because there's been no rain and it's, it, they're really sandy and they're really corrugated. Is it like that in, Moama? Yeah, can't go to Barma Forest, same situation. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be, you got to pick and choose your dirt roads at the moment. And this was not a good one to pick, but the first time I'd sort of been on it, so I'll pick a different one next time. Now, next day, ran with Ferg. Um, so we just we cruised around the forest. This is sort of the area where that trail race go. Oh, the um, uh, what do they call it? Um, the AV. It was the Ekaden, mm. um, it was the Ekaden down here. So, yeah, a lot of some of these trails were used in the race, I think, or, or maybe not the exact trails, but the area was. So, got an hour in with Ferg, then in the Arvo, um, sampled a new loop that I. So, I'm, I'm constantly looking for new, like perfect loops. So, this 30 minute loop was not it. A um, few sharp hills, and you know your your recovery like your afternoon doubles, you do not want to hit sharp hills on your afternoon double. So, yeah, we'll can that. Next day, I ran, um, I, this was a, this is a good loop. So this was mainly dirt roads, but the dirt road I run on is shut to traffic. So it's it doesn't have corrugations or anything, so it's pretty nice. Um, and I chucked up a photo of um, where I hit my head the other day. And when, when I went back past, I'm like, that spiky bit is the same shape as the hole in my head. Uh, so it's pretty, it's, it justifies my complaining. Uh, then, but yeah, this loop, I'm going to add on bits and pieces from it to make 
So this was about an hour, but I reckon I can make like a 70 minute loop out of this. I could make a 50 minute loop just depending on how I progress with training. I reckon I like 70 minutes is probably the perfect single run if you're going to do a double afterwards that afternoon. What do you reckon about that claim? Mm-hmm. I like it. 70 mm-hmm. minutes? No, no more than 70. I'd say anywhere from 60 to 70. Yeah, that's right. 15 to 16K. So 10 mile, right? Happy with that? 10 mile. We'd do the extra 100 meters to make it 10 mile or stop at 16? No, I never do that. Never. Yeah. You're a time-based guy, aren't you? You run on time. I am. I am lately. Yeah, yeah. I like I've that. been enjoying it too. Takes away like, you you know how long you've got. So you go out for an hour and you know you're going to be back at a certain time. You can plan things better. If I say I'm going out for 16K and I decide to go on a hilly like slow route it could be like 75 minutes 80 minutes and then that just ruins you the rest of your day for planning anyway we plan now that we got a baby uh next morning thought i would test the um test the cardio system with a little threshold post covid first workout back did four by five minutes at heart rate so i jogged up to the um footy oval and ran around the footy oval just because uh, I thought the town was a little busy and I got up a bit too late, like 8.30, all the, the normal areas where I do a workout get filled with dog walkers and um, kids on bikes and just no good. So I thought I'd go up the footy oval, ran laps, hated it. I don't know how people go and run laps on ovals, like do their thresholds around the track and stuff. That it just It's just not enjoyable at all to me to do that. I, especially grass grass mm. is shit to run on oh. is there like a, a line like a footy cricket over line on this thing or are you just going wherever you no good not footy? really yeah, you need something to focus on well, it's cricket season so there's no boundary line and yeah. they play cricket at like the seconds or whatever play on the um play on the footy oval so yeah there's no line you just run around like two meters inside the inside the fence i guess uh yeah i didn't enjoy it and the, the workout was pretty average too. So I'd, heart rate got up quick and stayed up. I think I averaged like 3.30. Three, oh, I'm going to go into it because it's worth. It's 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 not a it's not a pretty one. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a Louis session. Started at 3.23s and finished at 3.35s. Yeah, you, that's just I've been doing that a bit. Oh, 3.23s. Yeah, pay hey, that. That's good. Your heart rate wasn't <laughs> through the roof though in that first five minutes. though, was it? Well, no, I was still getting up to the threshold, yeah. I guess. Maybe you and should then, have had two minutes two to minutes. let it come yeah, back well, down because it only got down to one. Well, it was one fifty average for the two minutes, and then you cooked from there. One sixty eight, one seventy, one seventy one. Yeah, funny you say that. It, it it was ninety seconds, but at the same, I, I didn't plan on it being ninety seconds. I basically just wanted to get my heart rate down below one fifty, and then then go again. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I'm just looking at the average for the two minutes. Yeah, 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 that's it, yeah. Oh, the 90 seconds, yeah. Sorry, 90 seconds. Isn't it a great sign of fitness what your heart does in that, like, off time? Yeah, the rest. You know when you're super fit and you're, like, 30 seconds in and you're looking at your heart rate and it's down at 145 or 150 or whatever? But these ones, I've had the same experience the last couple of weeks. Like, it just doesn't, it just takes so long to come down. Yeah, oh, and You're still doing threshold stuff in your recovery. 
yeah, but the pace drops dramatically during that. Like I was running five minutes a K and it was not dropping at all. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. That was the workout. Next day, well, I think I doubled that night, but that night I, um, I didn't eat enough during the day. So I wasn't, there's was something, I think I was busy. Yeah, I was busy. Yeah. I had a shitload of paperwork to do and I was just getting into that all day and I didn't eat enough food. And so this double, 30 minutes, I felt so depleted. I went through like dizzy, dizzy patches and it was quite warm still, even at 10 to 6. And so I dehydrated as well as like under-fueled. It's a horrible run. Just couldn't wait to get home. And, and so I made sure I had a decent dinner and then the uh, workout the next day was a, well, for me it was a workout. Um, for others it was a long run. Some of us it was, a, it was both in one. We, we started in Anglesey. We ran kind of trails out of Anglesey through that Umarella Park up the Great Ocean Road just on a um, parallel single track. And then we came down some fire roads um, the other side of the Great Ocean Road, and we hit the um, Anglesey Boundary Track, which takes you all the way around the old coal mine. But I, I did not think about this well enough, and those tracks are like running on the beach right now. They're so sandy. Like, it's the sandiest place outside of the beach right now, and, yeah, it was pretty awful running out there. It was also really hot because there's, there was no shade, so... I was cooked by about like probably 16k, and then we um, we picked it up the pace, of course, that's just how it rolls, and we picked the pace up towards the back up some hills, and um, I was really steaming for a frozen coke when I got home, but the old servo was out of order, so spent instead of spending one dollar on a frozen coke, I spent about fifteen dollars on Gatorades and cokes, and um, I think. They were successful in their in their business plan that day by putting the sign up on the frozen mm-hmm. goat machine. <laughs> yeah, it's so expensive at those places too, isn't it? They, except for frozen coke. Yeah, that's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. They're a dollar, but they're like a soft drink or big M's, like five or six bucks. I didn't even think of it, and Bree oh. said it. She's like, "Oh, they would have done that on purpose." And I'm like, "Actually, yeah. that's a bloody good idea because I was I walk in with a dollar, and and that's all I wanted to spend." And a Gatorade, it was like two for seven or something. So I grabbed two for seven and the can of Coke's three bucks, there's yeah. 10. And I'm thinking, oh, I should get a milk too. Like I should get some protein. There's $4.50, five bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and done. We're out. We're gone. Uh, in the end, what did I run for the week? I ran um, like 118K, 17, 18K. And that's that's a good that that's a good springboard now for me to get back into training. Mm, good, mm. yeah, good spot. You got um, we spoke about your races last week, didn't we? What are you uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get fit for run for the kids. Yeah, that's, is that happening? You know? Well, it seems to be. It still says it is. Yeah, ask Monty next time to see him. He's a he's a big man there. Yeah, well, they've. Post I mean, I asked him. I asked him for a like the first time 2020 and he said it was all good and then they they pulled it out <laughs> right at the last minute because that was march that was like early covid hit like late feb early march didn't hit australia till sort of mid-march and 
um, the race was early April, I think, or late March. So it was like the first one to get canned, I reckon. Did it happen Australia. last year, 2021? No, nah, it didn't. It was virtual again last year. Okay. Yeah. We haven't, that's been, that's not good timing. It's a good race for you though, 14, 15K over hills. Oh, it's a good race because it's, it's competitive normally. Yeah, well, I've you there a few times, I reckon. Oh, I don't know about that. Back when I used to have you covered every race. I reckon you beat me once. I do remember you were... I remember coming third and you were fourth, I reckon. Mm, You finished one place. You finished third there. That's pretty good. Finished third there, yeah. Who was first? I'd say Dua Yoa, I think. No, No, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't Dua. No, Um, wasn't Dua. They used to always give out like a return business class flight, remember, to like Europe or something. Yeah, and the second was a big screen TV or something like that. It was they had good prizes for I a got while. Like a Nike employee store voucher. No, oh, like that's a shame you're not an employee. You know that like secret or not a secret? You know that shop? I remember it was really yeah. weird coming from the country. I'm like, where the hell is this place? I've, yeah, the there's a new one now. Yeah, they moved it. Hmm. Anyway, good to reminisce. Tell you about my week. Easy uh, tear 50 minutes on Monday, 4.55 pace. I'm really jobbing slow at the moment. It's hot and I'm like been doing three workouts a week and I'm just, um, I was banged up from that 800 metre race and a bit of a hilly long run. So Monday I just took it super easy, 4.55s. On Tuesday we went over to Shepparton. Um, Archie had a workout where he was doing uh, 3K, 2K and 4x800. And I just jumped in and paced for as long as I possibly could. So I did 2.3K of his first 3 k at like 3-minute K pace. And then I get bigger recoveries too, which is good for me at my stage of my program. So in his um, – and then he had a lap jog between. So he had a lap jog, but I had kind of an extra three or four minutes while he was finishing off his first 3K rep. And then the 2K I lasted for a mile, 1.6K, and we did that at 2.55 pace, another lap jog. And then um, for his four 800s, I did 800, 500, 400, 800. And they were, I think he was running like 213, 214 for the 800. So trying to take him through in like 66, 67. Um, and they were off 80 seconds for him. But I was having a bit longer because I wasn't doing the full reps most of the time. So that was good to get on the synthetic, get over there. I didn't put spikes on. I just kept the next percenters on the uh, whole time just because I didn't want to yeah my legs were already banged up on the Monday and I didn't want to go through that process again actually Moose when are there is there any more updates on um like racing flats that aren't spikes that are track legal oh no there are none from Nike still what, what's that new one they're bringing out the streak fly yeah. that's 33 mil that's oh, too high oh, 33 yeah, yeah that's nowhere near it oh, and it was never gonna it was never gonna be nah they got oh, the okay. dragonfly the dragonfly is the most yeah. amount of shoe you're gonna get yeah there's still no other. I'm still going to next percent though, or like a fuel cell rebel or something like that on the track. There's no other options. What's that? What's that? Um, Adidas one. I saw Tommy Decan. No, that's not that's, illegal. Okay. There's it the the Adidas the Adidas Takumi Sen that yeah. existed before the, the the new release one. That was track legal. We sold a bunch of them, and we still actually have a couple left. So that's not a bad option um, if you're after a track legal. Asics Hyper Speed is another like old school racing flat oh, yeah. that's track legal, and there's like a couple of Mizuno flats that are legal. But um, realistically, you're if you're not fly. if you're not in race A 
chasing a win or a qualifier or a record, no one gives a shit. So those, like, if you're in race B, C, D, or if you're in an over 40s or whatever, do not, like, chase down, like, racing flats that um, suit the qualifier or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, no one, no one cares. Well, it sounds like that new Nike one might be good. Like not as not as thick as the kind of next percent. That'd be a good track option, even though it's not yeah, it probably for A races. But yeah. if you're not in the A races, that'd be good. Well, I'm yet to see one in person. I've seen okay. all the tech about it. Um, um, like it obviously is popular on YouTube videos with the Nike crew at the moment. But I'll I'll wait. I'll reserve judgment till I see it on my, in my hands and and then if I put it on my feet because sometimes like a shoe comes out that on paper looks amazing but then like it misses the mark somehow yeah another good story about going to shepparton the highlight of going to shep is always something not to do with the running got got petrol at the servo afterwards pulled up to the petrol station guy comes out and asks me how much i want had that happened to what? you lately what he put he filled the tank yeah for he you. Come, goes, how much after mate i said oh just 50 bucks he goes, yeah no worries and then he starts filling up the petrol for me and then he gets the windscreen wiper thing out cleans the windscreen Felt like I was back in 1995. Yeah. Archie didn't glitch, know what was happening. Glitch in the simulation. A real glitch in the simulation. Archie's like, what's this guy no, doing? What, you, didn't get out of the car at all. Then you he, didn't ask for him to fill it. You just said 50 bucks only. Well, I just had a $50 note in my... Because I'm thinking... Oh, I'm thinking... Just fill the tank. Well, the Kia's pretty much full off 50 anyway. Pretty fuel efficient car. But I was like... Because I was worried if I said fill it, now I wouldn't have enough cash on me and then they might not have an FPOS machine if they're still operating like that. That's old school. That's so good to yeah, hear, though. Yeah, it was great. That was the highlight of a trip. I uh, got out for 30 minutes in the afternoon, 4.59 pace. So my average pace for the week was super slow. Uh, Wednesday, 60 minutes at 4.48. Um, Thursday, did 3 by 8 minutes. This was a bit better. Heart rate uh, monitor on. Average 3.13 for the 8 minutes. And the heart rate didn't go too high this week, I think. The, and I'd had 2 minutes jogging between this one. So, like, the first eight minutes was uh, 162, second one 168, third one 170, and all of them were 313 average. So that was good um, to nail that one out. Um, then I jogged easy on Friday, and then on Saturday, oh, you'll love this, fellas, had the old uh, team triathlon. Was I telling, telling you about this last week, my doctor, the GP? Yeah, had yeah, a lot yeah. of people writing about the GPs. But the GP who cut cut open Carly, who's like one of the best obstetricians, I think they're called in Australia. <laughs> it turns out not every GP does that, so thanks to the people that wrote in. But yep, uh, Claire, Doctor Claire, she organised the team, so went down there. Done this a few times this one, but it, usually I'm in the men's team, not the mixed team. So we had um, Hendrika who was doing the swim for us, and she's one of Ali Pashley's mates, Moose. Hendrika. Hendrika. She's a mum from school. And one day I was walking through the schoolyard last year and she yelled out to me like, oh, hey, Brady, how you going? Had a bit of a chat with her. And she goes, you don't happen to know an Ali Pashley, do you, who runs? And I'm like, yeah, I know Ali Pashley, know I coach real well. Turns out they went to uni together, both physios. So that was a small world. So she swam for us. Dr. Claire did the, um, the bike ride. And then it was my turn to do the run. Thought we were in a bit of trouble, fellas. We were three minutes 40 down when the run started. But I caught the uh, the team that was winning's runner, probably about six, seven hundred meters to go. So we got the team win, picked up the cash, three hundred bucks, cash money, which was good. Went around in about um, 
Oh, my watch says 15.19, but my watch also says it was 4.76 kilometres. But a shocking course, like 23 turns I made out to be. So just like a real spectator. Kind of, if you're doing a triathlete, kind of just jogging along, want some good views, it's beautiful. But a very hard course to run, run fast on. But it was good fun getting to run through the main streets of your town. Very rare do I get to um, race locally, so that was good fun to do that. Good to be part of the team. And um, yeah, good to get the win. And then a bit of prize money, buy a slab of beer or something with that, I reckon. So that was good. You you you, you ran as part of the um, burger, is it Burger House? A brew burger. No, that's brew burger. Archie's team won the, the thing. They won the men's team. So he was oh. in. We were, we were called, um, what were we called? Splashy, Flashy and Dashy or something like that. Who were you, Dashy? I was Dashy. That's what the teacher, that's what uh, the doctor named us. So I was just going along with her team. So um, yeah, Archie, he just jogged along and pretty much ran the same time as me. So, um, yeah, whereas I was just fanging it, just trying to catch this girl who was out in front. But Did you tell your, tell your teammates to, like, just sandbag it and, you know, give give sec, you know, give the um, second-place team a bit of a lead so you could run them down? Is that, I, the, I is actually, that the plan? I actually wasn't sure because Archie told me because I wasn't sure who this girl was who was running for the other team. And he's like, no, no, she's good. She runs, like, 18 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I've only got 5K and I don't, I'm not actually in any good shape. So I was starting to get worried that the gap would have been too big. But... You know how it works, Croaks. Pull them in, get get past them, get the win. Right. Running down women. And I, yeah, uh, well, they had the man, they had the best cyclist in the Chukamoamo as their uh, their bike league. This Levi Hone kid, I think he averaged forty five k or something per hour. Just a freak. Anyway, it was good fun. I enjoyed doing stuff like that in the team. Uh, that was Saturday night. Then, which was bad, bit of a clash because I like listening to the Triple J Hottest One Hundred, which meant I couldn't do that this year. So I had to kind of stay away from. The radio stay away from the beers um and then go run a 5k triathlon league instead sunday though got out for um 90 minutes glenn and i average 423s that took my week to 122 and yeah i think i'm fitter at the end of this week than i was at the end of last week which is the way we want to be going on this show two races this week though fellas 5k 1500 fit countries watch a sh- double watch a shoe rule there moose uh well you want to wear a dragon for 5k i'm still yeah yeah i reckon the thing is i'm only because we don't have a track i rarely get to run in them mm, i've probably yeah. run it three times in the well, last four I reckon weeks yeah, maybe where enough. you're dragging for the 15 oh, and then where the 15 where you're vapor for the five although it is a championship it yeah. is a championship brady i wouldn't be comfortable with you country wearing championship victorian country championship but do you think they'll be enforcing it? I don't. Oh, I'm happy to wear the dragon. You can enforce it yourself, though. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go down there and win a championship, do it, do it legally. It's a big country championship, Crooks. Still a championship. And actually, yeah, it's a strong championship because you got like all the Surf Coast Track Club, Geelong boys, and you got the strength of Ballarat, and you have got Bendigo Bats, and not to mention like the Mad Snakes down there in Tarelgan. Like it's a very strong region, and the guys from Albury, Wodonga. Yeah, I'd say winning a Vic Country would be the same as winning a New South Wales State Championship. Please. It's probably been like that. Remember, I did it, and then we got beaten by Craig Huffer. That's a, like In that's a national, yeah, national class race. That one. What about I won the five k one year moose and beat Andy Buchanan and Jared Clifford. 
Jared Clifford. Two quality guys. I'm not sure what Clifford was doing. He would have been like nine years old. Yeah, but still, Andy was only 14 or something too, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it was 2015. They let him in the open race. It was 2015. They were open athletes. I don't think there. Clifford was even blind back then either. <laughs> he was, they were both quality athletes back then. Just had a on few one years from on. one, Brady, in terms of country champs and country medals. You can't get a medal if you're not from the country, though, can you? Hey, I've got one. Oh, yeah, you're the Albert Park 10K. Hey, second. Yeah, I'll see if I can pick up, pick up a silver this week to match your croaks. See what happens. Mm-hmm. should be a good weekend down there. Looking forward to it. Let's uh, thank some Patreon supporters. Kick us off, croaks. All right, I've got Tim Goiter this week. Uh, we couldn't find a lot about Tim on Strava, um, but we do know that he's a Sydney Swan supporter, maybe has a pug, likes Daft Punk, and once went for a ride on a camel. Uh, he also ran London Marathon in 2019 and raised over 3000 for charity. Uh, also had a bit of a chunder while going over Tower Bridge. So thanks for your support, Tim. And uh, Brady was actually able to find a little bit about you. Yeah, it was in the end. It turns out there's a big mining, like oh, some like mining director with the same name, worth millions and millions of dollars when oh, I first typed that name into Google. So you share a name with a rich, rich guy, Tim. Moose, who you got? I have James Brennan. So James actually sounds like quite a smart dude because he follows. Does he? He follows me, and it, does he follow you, Brady? Yeah, I could never check this. I just no, I just, he doesn't. I checked. Oh, did you? Oh, <laughs> actually, he's a lot smarter than I first thought because <laughs> he only follows myself on Strava and really, Croaks, you've put out absolute garbage for a long time now. So uh, I could see why totally, someone gets totally that. agree. Come on, James. What's, what about me, though, Moose? What's Brady's excuse? I'm yeah. pretty good on Strava. <laughs> I'm not sure, actually, because you put up some good workouts, and like even this last week, you go to the well during the, the workouts. Uh, I forgot to ask you that during. We'll talk about what, it later. What workouts? Um, He's a trail guy, though, Moose. So yeah, well, you, don't, you uh, don't get a lot of trail stuff from Brady. He might have picked up. He might have picked picked up the uh, picked up the. I might have picked up the follow from. From from Bogog Mahotham because he he's run James he's run um, a fourteen forty five hundred ker so we haven't we haven't mentioned that many hundred kers on the um, on the Patreon uh, callouts but he's also done a few more so he's um, nineteen fifty four five k forty five sixteen ten one forty two half four thirty four um, but yeah, I think he appreciates the longer stuff and the trails because when you have a beard like he does, uh, there's a there's a high chance that you you're going to enjoy running on steep terrain, single track, out in the middle of the like you know guys that go to Falls Creek but don't run on the aqueduct, they run on on like the single track over to to Bogong or or up to Mount Otham, those kind of trails. Interesting, he follows Jack Rayner, but not Brett Robinson as well. Oh, that's saucy. Mm. That is real saucy, actually. He's got some algorithm running in his head here. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, James. Guys with mustaches. Yeah, like, I don't know. Not sure. Guys that weigh over 50 kilos, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Could be something like that. Thanks for your support, James. I'm going to thank Sam Miles from Orlando, Florida, fellas. The USA. Still haven't cracked that market, but thanks, Sam, over there for supporting the show. Found some uh, PBs from him, 22.58, 49.48. 
for the 10K and at 1.52 for the half marathon. Maybe a New, Ze- New Zealander living over there. Um, I think he may be a manager, a financial planner at the Marriott Vacation Worldwide organization. So that'd be a well-paying job, I think. So Sam, thanks for giving us a few of your dollars for the Inside Runner podcast. Um, hope all is good over in Orlando, Florida. That's, where, the, um, yeah. that's where Disneyland is, isn't it? There's a Florida. few Disneylands. That's the main one, though, isn't it? What do you mean? That's, Disney. Isn't that, there Disneyland and Disney World? Isn't that the original one? Is Disney World is in Florida? Is it Disneyland well? in I California? Di- I thought Disneyland was, yeah, in, like, in California. Yeah, in LA. Nah, Orlando yeah. is a good one. There's some space stations oh, up there too. I, I know. Don't, I don't know think that's my, the original one though. My wife went there. I remember she went just to go to that one. Like she flew there direct and then come home. Didn't even see anything else over there. Oh, Fact really? check this by the end of the uh, mm. show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Maybe she went with her sisters. They're all diehard. Like Disney, Walt Disney World Resort is over there. I've just googled it. That's Walt Disney World. I reckon Disney. Seventeenth of July, nineteen fifty-five was when um, the Californian. Disneyland opened. So I think that's the original one. You sure? In Anaheim. Anaheim, that's where Mighty Ducks are from. Yeah. Did you know that? Anyway, uh, running news. Kick it off. Auckland Marathon. This was yesterday. Good to see a marathon happening over there. Um, Lisa Cross won the women's race in 250. Hannah Aldroyd won the female, uh, second, sorry, 252. And Ali Campbell was third in three hours. Daniel Jones. He's been on the show, hasn't he, fellas? Yeah, you interviewed him. I interviewed him, yeah, I thought so. He was in Kenya at the time, I think, when you interviewed him. Yeah, Yeah, he was was trying to get home. Was was that Aaron Polford? Oh, no, they were both there. Dan was stuck there, and he was... That's um, right. Mm -hmm. I was thinking it today, and I'm like, I remember Polford was definitely over there, and I thought maybe I was confusing the two, but they were both there. He was stuck there, COVID, couldn't get home. Must have been a a highlight for you, Brady, that interview. Yeah, sorry, Dan, (laughs) if you're listening. It was good to chat with... Uh, 2.20.22, he got the win. Cameron Graves was second in 2.27. Kyron Faraday was third in 2.32. I'm going to say that's Kieran. Kieran? Yeah. Not Kyron. Irish. Irish you heard mate. of a Kyron before? Yeah, got one of his class at school. Just around <laughs> do, you call him, do you call him Kyron? His names don't actually spell anything like that either. Um, not much depth there, fellas. It was good prize nah. money too. I think five thousand bucks first, two and a half second, maybe one thousand for third. Where's all the New Zealand depth? I think Auckland's always been a bit like that. Bit it's hilly. never been a super deep marathon. But you think maybe because they can't travel that there'd be more of the locals having a crack. Well, a lot of them, like the Malcolm's, Malcolm Hicks just moved home. He's then back you, there, yeah. How's Caden Shields going? Mm. He's been one of their top guys. Obviously, the Robertson twins, um, and then. I reckon there's some up-and-comers now like that you'll start to see bust out some big marathons as well. Guys, over, like a lot of them are based overseas. It's, not, it's like they don't enjoy living in New Zealand for some reason. Yeah, they all go to London, don't they? London or Kenya. Yeah, yeah, or like, oh, well, you've got um, that Geordie Beamish. He ran pretty well the other day. Then you Matt Baxter, like Flagstaff, yeah. Boulder. Um, Sam Tanner just signed a contract with Puma, didn't he? Where's he at? He was at... Um, was it Washington Huskies? Is it Huskies? Oh, he was in college, was he? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of those guys were. At, he went to the Olympics. A lot of those guys are at college. Yeah, I yeah. Think. Then, but they seem to come out of college and stay there. Yeah, no one wants to come home to New Zealand. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I like it there. Yeah, it's a good country. 
uh, some more news from you, Croaks. Go to Africa. Yeah, so we're going to Ethiopia, which is 2,350 metres above sea level, and Zerf Uwalaw smashed the African all-comers 10K record at the Great Ethiopian Run, where she ran 30.14. So that's the fastest women's 10K ever recorded at altitude, which, um, yeah, I'd love to know what the conversion is to sea level. Um, you'd have to think that it'd be, like, close to a minute surely like two like two, nearly two and a half thousand meters above sea level so yeah. great run well pb on the tracks 30 20 from, Hang- <laughs> from hangalo not at altitude yeah. so yeah i don't think he's run too many tens though because she finished third um the last uh half marathon world champs so yeah, i think she's more she a half marathon 63 51 at valencia remember <laughs> she's yeah, she's definitely going to be, uh, you know, running low 29s, I'd imagine. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when I saw it. Mm. Of course, that's 700 metres higher than Falls Creek. She's second to Giday there. At Valencia? Yeah. Was she? You asking me or you're telling me? No, uh, what have I got wrong here? No, nah, she was definitely there. I'm just saying what position. Yeah, she was second. She ran 60. Yeah, yeah 60. I had a PB, but I wasn't sure what position in the race. And she yep. also ran, she's run 63 twice. Imagine running 63 coming second. Yeah. <laughs> running 63-44 Antrim, um, but that was it's short. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. She ran 64-40 um, and come second at Istanbul as well. Unbelievable. Imagine running 63 and 64 and coming second. Yeah. She, um, She's best race watch. is Harley Gebra Selassie's, isn't it? The great Ethiopian run? On the, oh, I think it is. Yeah, because remember he set that up and then he came over and did the Great Australian Run, ran against, um, uh, was it Motram? Yeah, and Sammy Wanjuru came out for one yeah. of those too. You are after maybe. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Cole speed him, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, there was some other real big name as well, a Moroccan or Algeria or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Austrian won. Austrian beat Collis. So that, remember the guy? Um, yeah, he used to wear the long socks. Gunter? Gunter? Yeah. Yeah, he'd come over and do Zadipak a couple of times too. Yeah, he come off. I reckon they came off the mountain. We got fit over here. He was. He actually. He he was famous because he slid under a hurdle on a steeplechase, smashed his face up real bad. That's how I remember him. But yeah, he beat Sammy Wanjiru that day, and he also beat Colos too. I think. Yeah, she's going back, Moose. This is two thousand eight. Mm. Is it? Yeah, I remember. I remember though. Yeah, Gunther oh, no, sorry, White. Wade Wadelinger. Is yeah, that 2008, 2009. 2009, yeah. So Gabriel Selassie won in 2008. Yeah, and Patrick McKay was second. Oh, Patrick McKay. Yeah, he was the McKay world McKay record holder at the time. For the marathon, And Catherine... Yeah. Um, Catherine third, and, fourth. and in the women's in 2008, Catherine Nadareba. Remember her? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she won the women's. And Nikki Chappell then won the following year. Benny oh. Saint come 12th. Shane Nankervis, 15th. Monteghetti, 17th. <laughs> Did you do this, Moose? Nah. Sam Ellis, remember him from Ballarat, 24th? It was, <laughs> Alan Falala, Brett Coleman, 29th. This is like a who's who like Victorian distance running. It's, it, I remember watch, seeing a photo maybe of the start line and, and I was looking through just going, who are all these people like that I remember? It's pretty cool to Lisa see. Lisa Waitman, third. Benita Johnson at the time, fourth. Mm. Ben Fay. Who was second? 48th. He'll enjoy that shout out. Second in the women's. Second in the women's was um, Alice Mason. Well, I don't know. No, I don't know where. Just in front of Campbell Maffitt. 
Yeah, some Bobby Curtis. Yeah, some, yeah sorry. We're getting off topic here, but I'm yeah. fucking that. There's some names there. Some real good <laughs> right. names. Uh, Vic Miles Club. Moose, you would have watched it. You love the old Vic Miles Club. I, I, I got on for the 15s. I missed the 8s. I forgot. I, I don't know what happened, but I didn't get on for the 8s. Um, so I saw the 15s and uh, the ladies race, like Claudia Hollingsworth, We've talked about her, I believe. I think she's coached by Craig Mottram still, but she's she, my one. To, she's my one to watch for this year. Yeah, she's a she. She's good to watch. She's good to watch race because she is very strong and and she just um, dissected this field like over the last lap. She ran four twelve thirteen um, to beat. I mean, that's she's is she still under. She's still like seventeen, I think, or even maybe younger. We should look that up. Um, 16 or 17, maybe ran 4:12. Uh, Rebecca Green 4:17, which is still a great run, and then Lucinda Rock 4:25 for third. Uh, so yeah, Claudia Hollingsworth is in the 1500 this Wednesday night at Zatapak, and she would have to like 16. She, 16, yeah, she would go in, and and you would think with a few others around her maybe to push that pace a little, you'd think that she would be able to go under 410. And, um, I mean, she's probably one of like, the most exciting sort of female junior distance runner, I don't know, since like Georgie Clark or something, I guess you would say. Yeah, that was a peak for her too, 412. She ran 201.6. Yeah, she's yeah, definitely, like, so eight, 800 at the moment is obviously more her like strong suit than the 1500, but you know, the 1500 will come as she gets older. Yeah, yeah, and um, she, I think she does other sports as well, like team sports. Yeah, um, weren't Collingwood trying to get her on the books, foot, girls footy? I don't a- know, but... AFLW? I knew she played other sports, yeah. Yeah, I thought I heard something about that once upon a time. Could be wrong, though. This is the point, right, <laughs> where athletics is sitting there going, <laughs> come to us, come to us, we'll offer you a very low chance of ever being like famous and tiny chance of ever making money and AFL is going here like rubbing their fingers together with the cash sign going, okay. come over this side we'll give you a salary you'll be on TV you're gonna have heaps of friends people will watch you and we can't do anything about it mm-hmm. it's hard to compete isn't it the, the good thing going about the the contact stuff now is like a lot of side effects are, are well known to head knocks and people struggling um, like post career. And I think we're waking up to that a little bit. Like a lot, like even some people I know that play footy and in Ballarat who, who are starting to go, well, this might not be the best move for us, like for our long-term health, um, continually getting smacked up, hitting concussions every year. So maybe that's like one one draw card for athletics. Yeah. Yep. Um, the men's race? Uh, the men's. Brad Mathis, um, New Zealander. So 800-meter runner. You've, we've seen him run Justin at Peck before. Yeah, very, very strong unit. Um, he ran 346.08. And again, he was pretty – he was sort of like a master class type run in this race as well. He left it till later in the, in the, in the race to go. He beat Adam Pike, who – you see at all these meets, um, 349.57, and Archie Noakes, younger fella, 349 as well. So, um, yeah, Brad Mathis stepping up was cool to see. And, uh, I mean, 346, winning by three seconds is pretty good, really. 
so early in the season too. Uh, in the in the men's eight, Lachlan Raper, unattached, ran 148.12, beat Jack Lunn, um, 148.69. And I reckon this time last year we were talking a lot about Jack Lunn. He he was starting, he was beating everyone back then. I reckon him and Risley at Zatapec had a, had a brilliant race together. Matt Hussey, a third, 150. Women's... Um, 2.04.26 was the winning time. Ali Sanford beat Jayla Hancock-Cameron, 2.07, and Amy Robinson was 2.08. That's a big win too, isn't it? Three seconds over an 800. Yeah, three, that is a big win. So some standouts there. Krogs, Bankstown, Miles Club as well. Yeah, so for the 1,500 in the men's, uh, it was won by Stefan Music um, in 346.9. Kieran Rushton was second in 347.8 and Kieran Tall third in 349.5. In the women's, Mia Tui, 444.8. Zara Warland second in 445.1 and Kira Tui was third in 445.1 as well. So that was obviously close there for second and third. Yeah, a lot of juniors there as well. I was talking to Matt Whitbread today. They're pretty happy with that men's 15. Though I reckon that's actually deeper than the 15 at Vic Miles Club. When you look yeah, at how many of them were under like 350-ish, 3.52, yeah. yeah, that was good. Um, what else we got? Moose on the Loose, Purchase of the Week. I'm going to talk about the listener question a bit later on in the show because that's part of our interview. What do you got this week, oh. Moose? Sorry, I put you on the spot a bit there. Yeah, you, I mean, I don't, it's not like I know that I have this segment I'll put every you on single What should we do? I mean, the political rant got some got some good feedback i reckon did it uh i mean i got a few personal messages like saying oh yeah good like that was a good one we um we enjoyed hearing that because that's how we feel as well and realistically if you're not feeling like that then like someone try and justify how, could, how you could not feel that i'll listen i might not agree but i mean i'll listen to someone step up and and defend what's going on but i haven't seen it yet like you would think like yeah, you know, no you look at you, was there. you look at U.S. politics, right? And obviously, you've got like you got some psychopaths over there, but there's also psychopath followers. Whereas over here, it's like maybe it's the algorithm on my social media or something. But at no point have I seen anyone stand up and go, "Hey, he's having a crack, isn't he?" He's like he's having a crack. He's he's doing what he believes in, and he's he, he, at least he's trying his best. No one said that, which is a pretty good indication that he's not trying his best, and he's he's even doing such a poor job that even the staunchest followers aren't like willing to put their head on the chopping block and defend him. Mm, yeah, good point. Yeah, it's that's that's a sign that we need an election asap. When is it May? Isn't it? Couldn't come quick enough. Is it May? Uh, I think it is, yeah. Hmm. That's yeah, that's not close enough, though, is it? Um, that's four more months of dealing with this shit. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that was a, so that was part two. But what about Australia Day? You a big fan? No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, maybe we turn a bit left the show. But there's nothing left about respecting like um, respecting the hurt that the day causes, is there? Yeah, if I've got Indigenous mates who have to sit at home and pull the blinds on their house because it's a day that they cannot celebrate, there's no way that I feel appropriate to go out and sink beers and have a barbecue and to celebrate that day. Yeah. 
Like Agreed. It's, it's yeah, they need to change the date. Yeah, change the date. Every, I mean, it, again, there's not a lot of defenders of this either, is there? Or, yeah, every ma- year, ma- there's less and less. Yeah, yeah, and there's less and less because it's getting shown that it is a a day of of kind of hurt and disrespect, and it's very insensitive. And we're starting to question, like, why are we celebrating it? Like, you ask someone enough, like, you ask someone properly, why are we celebrating this? Oh, it's the day Australia was discovered. No, it wasn't. It's, oh. it's all knowledge. It's just, yeah, if you research and, yeah, look at really black and white kind of um, text. There's a really good book called Why Weren't We Told? It's by Henry um, Reynolds. And it's just, like, just the stuff that you wish we got told in schools. And all you got to do is look at the curriculum as well that didn't include this kind of stuff so i can see why some people just have these opinions because they haven't they just don't know there's not a really good good book called um gert by who's that by david hunt it's like an unauthorized history history of australia that's um that's these are really easy books to read that just give you black and white facts about um yeah what the colonization and settlement story actually was yeah and i i did i mean i did year 12 history it was the first time that it gets presented i mean it doesn't get presented very well um but there was there's just examples there that even if you didn't select that subject in school you would never be taught about it so like you have to elect like it was an elective you go oh yeah i'm going to study history this this year this year 12 subject or whatever everyone else there was probably 20 of us out of a class of a 200 that picked it um and we're the only 20 that get actually sort of presented with some of the stories and some of the the like the true history that um that we've sort of been skipped over about some of the some of the ways that the um indigenous australians were treated like what about the other 180 people in this class that aren't told about it Hmm. or or learn about they got to go off and learn about it on their own this should be part of the curriculum it is getting so much better now, though. Like, it's, yeah, when we were at school, it was shocking. And you imagine what it was like for our parents at school. Um, oh, yeah. But when, yeah. Our, when our kids go to school, and you've just got to look at, you know, the way things have changed around just, like, mainstream stuff, like, um, you know, National Sorry Day or National Reconciliation Week and um, just even the footy now doing, like, Indigenous Round and things like that as well, like Sir Doug Nichols Round and stuff like that. Like, all that's just going to grow and grow. And it's like, you, I can go down the main street of Echuca and, like, survey people about their opinions on it and it might be like 50 50 60 40 and we're still going to have an argument about it but you ask oh, i'd be confident if you asked every grade six kid at school like 12 year old it's like 100 percent or 99 percent. like it's it's the generational change is massive what the kids are yeah learning now at school and and where they see it in real life as well yeah yeah it, it the band like the, even the band is changing um within the group like not so much from like we there was never sort of racist banter in a group or anything like that but it's just getting a lot less uh oh how would you how would you describe it it's it's getting up less offensive within the group and and this isn't and when i say offensive i mean like um the, the some of the terms are changed the derogatory terms are changing and it's just getting maybe a little bit more respectful. Like there's still some great banter going on in the groups, but as we, as some of the younger crew step up, they're just maybe being a little bit more tactful about it. 
uh, and a bit more respectful of certain things. And that's 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 good to see. It changes some of the older guys too. Yeah. Yeah, good moves on the loose. Croaks, anything to add there? No, nah, totally agree. So, no, certainly changed. Like, you know, the other side of the story was never told when I was at school. Like, you still sort of learn about Australia Day, but, yeah, the other side was never was never talked about. So. And it's like but no, I, I, knowledge is power too. Like, I'm not having a crack at people who have certain opinions because they just didn't have the opportunity to get that knowledge. And it's yeah. hard with, you know, people who have had different upbringings and stuff as well. So I reckon it's our generation where the changes really sort of happened. Like, because, you know, like my parents' generation probably still, you know, you, you wouldn't get as you wouldn't get as, as many people agreeing with us in that generation, whereas now everybody from sort of our age down, it's like completely different. Yeah. And they'll be the future leaders, future CEOs. Go global warming next week, Moose, for Moose on the list. <laughs> well, I, see, that gets a bit sciencey for me. And I'm not, like, obviously, <laughs> you could go. You could put two of them together and go mining indigenous sacred sites. Oh yeah, Jeez. we know that. I mean, they that admitted is, that was bullshit. a fuck up, right? Yeah. They admitted that. Um, and and but yeah, the climate change one. I mean, not that I'm. Um, I, I feel like I want to be a little bit more educated before I go out there. And, <laughs> we can do a random one next week. It's better been two weeks. <laughs> I can't be across everything. And this is one that I've sort of been like, I probably should read about this one day, but at the moment I'm just sort of, what you tend to do though is you follow, you believe the people that you trust mm. and some of the, like the people that I seem to trust more um, are quite staunch advocates for uh, changing policy on it. But you um, guys should be worried about it. Surf Coast Track Club's going to be the first to go under. You'll be moving inland up to Chukamoama. Yeah, well, we've seen the cliff collapses down here, mate. The cliff collapses. Yeah, do you, do you see it firsthand? Oh, I don't know if that's a result of climate change. The cliffs are collapsing. Like, we're losing it. Like, you should see the trails. I've put some pictures up one day of these trails that we used to run on that, were, that are literally on the beach now because the cliffs have collapsed. Haven't you got a camp coming up? Someone's just going to get taken out by a cliff face coming down there, Croaks. Moose, like, well, so I reckon Moose was really good tonight on this topic, but I just think you don't want to give him too much confidence because it won't be long until he goes off on some other rant and then he offends like ninety percent of our listeners. Mate, have so. I told you about the? Have, you, have I told you about the vaccine conspiracy? <laughs> have, you, have I talked about Big Pharma yet? <laughs> no, but I reckon yeah. Quick, quick worry ahead, Moose. You're good. Good tonight. Yeah, yeah, good for the last two weeks. I'll save that, that for some private messages. And, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's coming up? We've got our Zatapak watch party, seven thirty p.m. Melbourne time uh, this Wednesday night, fellas. That should be good fun. All three of us will be on there. I'm not going anymore, so you'll see my face on there as well. Always like going live, croaks. It's usually me and you. Where are you usually moose at these things? I'm a, I'm a Zatapak. Oh yeah, I'm watching, North. mate. I'm supporting the event. If I don't support. Jeez, what happened to your microphone just then? Oh. Got too worked up. <laughs> Throwing your arms around or something? I it wasn't there for the the um, National 3K one. Well, you did, were you there for that as well? National 3K? What is that? There's no National 3K. No, well, we went we went live on that last year. That's an under-20s. It's a data pack. No, no. no that's that the one well. Jack Bruce won. They didn't have a stream, remember? And Izzy, Izzy fell. And Jen yeah. one spoke to Jen yep. afterwards. Anyway, we'll be doing that this Wednesday night. Um, first race seven forty, so we'll be kicking that off at seven thirty. 
the big news is that we've got Nath, Roman Nath, back on board again. So he'll be getting interviews down there for us. Got him an official Athletics Australia media accreditation today, fellas. I sent I sent AA an email just saying, hey, guys, what's the uh, is there any media accreditation this week, this year? Because I got it last year. And then they just wrote back saying that we were left off the list of media agencies to contact, but you were more than happy to be accommodating for us. So I thought that was nice. Interesting that we got cut off the list, though. That's not good. Um, so that's coming up Wednesday night. And then there's big Milrose games. This is Jan 29th. I think it's going to be um, Sunday morning our time, maybe. Not that good at time conversions, but we've got Ollie Hoare, Jess Hull in the mile, Charlie Hunter in the 800, Amy Cashin in the 3K. That's going to be a big night of athletics or morning. Expect some big results coming out of that. Anything else going on in your life, fellas, before I throw to the interview, which is the listener question? Any idea where you can watch Milrose games? Is it going to be live somewhere? American meets are so hard to watch because there's 423 different streaming services and they never seem to be free. Like it's all, And I'm happy to pay, but it's like you need 400 different subscriptions to be able to watch them. So yeah. no idea. I'm sorry. Do you, Moose? Oh, no. No idea. No idea. Yeah, I wouldn't be expecting you to be seeing any footage of that. Um, what's going on up in your life, Croaks? Uh, not a great deal. Been watching a bit of tennis. Probably watch a bit of tennis for the rest of the week. Um, and then, yeah, doing the Zatapec and just trying to build up to an hour run and string together multiple multiple runs of an hour before I start doing some any doing any sessions. You back at school this week? Uh, no, it'll be next week at the earliest. Mm, okay. Uh, Moose, what are you doing? Um, well, I'm still considering Zatapec actually. I'll be able to do a bit of chat from there. I'll be able to get in the stream yard from there. Because um, I think you've got to go to these events if you can, right? Yeah, it's good to support them. And the ticket price is super cheap. I think it's like 10 bucks to get in. Oh, you're going to give me a media pass? Uh, probably could. Put your name down. You want to save uh, yourself 10 bucks? They, they give the coaches one. I think if you're an AA coach, they give you one. Oh, even like, if you don't have an athlete? Yeah, I reckon I can... I reckon they, I got a link to sign up for a, a free pass, so I can. Should be uh, if you're anyone's coach, you should get a free pass. Well, you do. I, th- I think for these meets, if you coach somebody that's competing on the night, the coach gets a pass. Yeah, you do. But I also Archie got that must email. Have my pass to his um, girlfriend or something. I haven't heard anything about a pass coming from him. Yeah, right. No, it's always been the go is that your, your coach gets in for free. You registered with a AA, Brady? Nah, but I'd be through him. Do you know? So what I mean? got that. Email as well, Moose. But I thought that was for like the I thought that was for like the track and field champs. Uh, no, I got a Zatapec one. Okay, different level of coach here, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe, no, I'm pretty sure it would be the same. I reckon it's just it's a good little thing that you can. Um... Anyway, you get down there on the ground. That could be good. Roman Moose. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I, I we'll, might. I'll see. We'll keep things alive as usual, Brady. Yeah, we'll see how we go. We should be right. Make sure you got all your devices charged, Krogs. This is a hard one because you've got to have two devices on the go. Yeah, I'll be on that. So bring your own live stream. We are not supplying a live stream, but Athletics Australia, I, I'm sure they are. I haven't seen any promotion of that yet, though, so that does worry me. But surely they're going to live stream that. That is a worry, isn't it? Isn't it? Have you seen <laughs> so anything? Maybe, no, so maybe, we are, maybe it's not happening. It's Moose on his phone and we have our commentary over the top. We'd have like 5,000 listeners yeah, be or good. watchers. It'd be a good way to get the numbers up on the social media, that's for sure, if we were the only one promoting it. 
Um, this week's interview is also the listener question. So Rowan Miller wrote in for the listener question. He wrote in, can you provide some details behind Falls, as in like Falls Creek, which people often talked about, talk about this time of the year. How did it start? Who started it? Who sets the sessions? Who gets to go up there and train? Which I thought was a really good question because I think we kind of throw away the term Falls and we just expect that a lot of people know about it because we've been there. You've been there before, Croaks. Yeah, yep. I um, like I don't come for you. I don't rate it to be honest. You don't rate false. Creek. I, well, I've, we've mentioned it. I've mentioned it on our group chat a few times. There's a few things there that just annoy me. Well, like, success has come out of there, though, Crocs. Yeah, but I think sometimes, like tradition, like they do things because it's tradition, and I think sometimes tradition needs to be broken. Like having hundreds of people doing a quarter session on a 600, 600 meter section of a shitty trail when there's so many trails up there, like, why do you need to do that? Um, I'd also argue that, uh, you know, Zatapak's going to be 34 degrees. And so you could almost argue that training somewhere that's been hot for the last two to three weeks is going to prepare you better for that race than being up at Falls. So, um, croaks on the loose moose. <laughs> I just, Falls Creek. Well, it's only producing Mottram, <laughs> Mono, Deeks, being well, there. N- yeah, no, it hasn't produced. It hasn't produced. It, it hasn't. It hasn't been the reason for all of their success. You got. You have to agree. Those trails where they do those sessions, where you've got like a full, you've got two tire tracks, and if you don't basically hit your foot in those sections, you're on a camber. Like yeah. you got to admit, come on, there's, uh, it's not great. Surely, surely <laughs> it's going to start though. shifting to doing. Like the four hundreds on the aqueduct or yeah. on the on the road, um, because to me it makes sense to do that, especially with the numbers they get up there now, like five hundred kids. Thanks, Moose. Yeah, no, I I, I, I actually agree with you. I just I I just don't want to be the one that goes oh, against what everyone else is. Look, it'll like. it'll piss so many people off for sure. What I've said, but I just that's the way I feel. It's like people just do that stuff because it's what they've always done, but. There's better places to train than where they do their sessions, um, yeah. and and even split the quarters sessions up. Like there's like there's so many trails there that you know are very similar in terms of you know it's relatively flat. So we want to have a couple of different section different sessions set up rather than everybody at the same spot. But anyway, that's that's my rant. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not a great lead into our guest here, Croaks, the interview because I uh, I didn't know how. Well, I didn't want to not do this question justice, so I sent Len Johnson. He was on episode number eighty-five, two nineteen marathon guy, athletics journalist, one of the best in the country. Um, and I sent this through to him, just saying, could he help me out with some answers? And then I he said, give me a call. So I gave him a call, and we're talking for like fifteen minutes, giving me all these ripping answers. I'm trying to jot stuff down. And then I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, Len, I've got to call you back in two days. I'm going to record this conversation because there's some really good stories here. And if I just take dot points, I'm not going to be able to summarize it that well. And the other two boys, I'm just not going to make sense to them. And it's just not going to come off real good. So I got him on Skype and we recorded the conversation. And I could just listen to Len's stories all day. Talks about, you know, some of the early days in the, the 60s and 70s up there. Talks about how Athletics Australia tried to put on like a bit of a camp up there. Talked about one of those location croaks where the K's, um, the K reps go. Moose, you know that strip as well. Who, um, there was actually a, a big named Australian athlete who would sneak off and do his workouts there by himself. And then someone followed him there one day. And, um, and that's how that K that kind of strip of dirt started getting used, which mm. I thought, thought was really fascinating. Talks about like who goes up there, some of the bigger names over the years. 
yeah, it was really um, it was really good to pick his brain. And then I just asked him some questions at the end about who he thinks are going to have big seasons and what excited him about the Olympics. And yeah, Len's always good to talk to athletes because I think if you're going to talk about people that know Australian distance running, he would be um, in the top five in the country yeah. of knowledge oh, in sure. his head. And then he started yeah. sending me through like articles, uh, like articles from like the 70s that he's got at home and he was taking photos of and he'd have sitting on his desk. And then he sent me another email today of like the promo flyer for the Athletics Australia camp, which I think was like 1994 or something like that off the top of my head. I'll post some of this stuff on social media because it was fascinating. And um, yeah, super cool to just be able to chat with him and, and document this conversation. So that's the interview coming up now. Might also chuck uh, 20 minutes of the long and the short of it at the end of that. What do you reckon, fellas? Should do that? Yeah, boss. make sure it's a good bit, though. Make sure it's... Did, like... you listen, did you listen to last week? I thought they were pretty good last week. Uh, you haven't put in the drive yet. I put it on Patreon. Yeah, but I don't know how to work that. Oh, don't you? Put it, put it in the drive for me, would you? Oh, it was really good. Croce, you listen to it? I haven't listened to it yet. I will, though, the next couple of days on my runs. Well, that makes me feel better because I thought it was a really good show. And I'm like, these pricks haven't told me that it was a good show that I hosted last week. Oh, I wanted to. Which makes sense. We've got three new segments going. They were really good, those three, last week. Yeah, I I, I will get on there. But can you, like, when you have the Patreon app, Brady. Hmm. I've got it. I'm a patron uh, of a couple of different podcasts. Yeah. So, what, how do you listen to your own Patreon then? What do you mean? How do I like, listen to the Inside Running podcast? I don't listen to Inside yeah. Running. No. Oh, well, do you have Alv? You're signed in under Inside Running podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the only way I get in there. So when people send furious emails about your political rants, you can access that. I want no no part <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd suggest sign out of that one and sign into your personal. Oh no, you can listen yeah, to but- it. Yeah, if you go to the Patreon... We'll talk about this yeah, another this isn't time. great radio. You might hear 20 minutes of that at the end of it there. A bit of a language warning if you do, because uh, Luke Matthews loves dro- dropping F-bombs. See you, boys. We'll do it all again next week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. See, see you then. Bye. Welcome to this week's podcast return guest. He was first featured on episode 85 of the Inside Running podcast and joins us again this week in a bit of a different format. He's going to be helping us with the listener question. Len Johnson, welcome back to the Inside Running podcast. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thanks, Brody. Thanks for thanks for inviting me to, uh, to express a view. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it's a view and knowledge over the years. You're going to be able to answer this one a lot better than Julie and Bradley and I would be. So I'm going to read the listener question I that came. That, oh, I don't know. know. <laughs> I'll, end, I'll read the listener question that came in first. This is from Rowan Miller, and then we'll get into a few questions around the actual question. So he wrote in and said, can you provide some details behind Falls, as in the Falls Creek that we often refer to? How did it start? Who started it? Who sets the main sessions? And who gets to go? And I thought this was a really good question because I think a lot of people in our circles who go to Falls Creek maybe regularly know a lot of this stuff, but for maybe 95, 96% of our audience, that kind of rec running, park run, fun run crowd, um, often hear people talking about it, but don't actually know a lot about it at all. And um, I sent it through to you, and then we started to have a bit of a conversation about some of the, the information the other day, and I thought this is far sure. too far yeah. too good to ha- to not be recording. 
And here yep. we are here. So you've been going since 1978 and haven't missed a year. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is correct. I, I did think we'd missed a year one year due to a... Um, uh, a passing in the family, but uh, I forgot that I'd rolled over a few days into that year at the start of the year, of course, because we go Christmas, New Year, mm. and then we still got up that year in after the New Year. So, yes, so I haven't missed a year since, since 78, 79. It must be, and you obviously have just come back, like we're recording this on the 18th of Jan, like you, you, you've just come back, you spent a few yeah, weeks up we there? Yeah, we were up there for a week. Uh, we went uh, Boxing Day till the and came back on the third of January. So we had eight days up there this year, which is about as much as we can contemplate training for at the minute. So, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and coincides with the time that the coffee shops and stuff are open too. So yeah, right. So we're talking for just a our, happy coincidence. Yeah, and for our overseas listeners, we're talking about Falls Creek, which is oh, you'll know best. How long does it take you to get there from Melbourne? Well, well, that depends on how many times you stop, but probably it's about four and a half hours driving time. So uh, wherever you stop for a refreshment along the way, um, I think the best I ever did it was coming back uh, from a, doing a story up there on Ingrid Christensen with a, an age photographer, or it might have been a Craig Mottram one even later. But anyway, we drove straight back and it took us about three and a half hours to get to his place in Carlton. So, uh, so yes, it can vary depending on uh, on how many times you stop. If I can just spring to the reader's question, uh, the, how do you get there or who can go there? Well, anyone who can find accommodation is the answer to that. So, yeah, uh, yeah but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to the rest of the question as we go. Which is pretty special because you're up there with, you know, the most elite distance runners in Australia and often internationals coming over as well. So, And Falls Creek sits at, is it 1,600 metres, 1,500 at the village? Well, it's about, we had a, we actually had a discussion on that this year and somebody looked up a map and tried, and the, the, the point he clicked on, it was one of those topographical maps had the village at 1350 meters above sea level but it's actually that was a couple of k down the road it's 15 about 1550 meters above sea level in most of the village uh, and then you go up about another 150 meters to get to the, the dam wall uh, which is this the level of the high plains and then your highest the highest mountains that we ever run up are like Mount Nelson and um, Mount Mackay, they're about over eighteen hundred metres. So I'm not going to attempt the conversions to uh, to feet, but yeah. I understand that eighteen hundred is around about six thousand feet. Yeah. Okay. About as high as you can get in Victoria. Yeah, and like it makes it there. I know some people might do um, not Threadbow. What's the New South Wales uh, equivalent like for altitude training? Ah, uh, well. We always call it Threadbo, yeah. but Threadbo is the village down in the valley. So I think most people train at um, from Charlotte's Pass. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, on the on the road that goes up ultimately to the top of Kosciuszko. So, yeah. but this is the most popular one in Australia. Altitude training camps for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So tell me, who started it? What do you know? Was it you? Well, who started it? It's, it's a bit of a how long's a piece of string. <laughs> Originally, I think Falls Creek Alpine Village grew out of the um, the uh, well people going up there to, to cross country ski and to hike and that sort of stuff in the summer. Um, 
And there was also a, a State Electricity Commission hydroelectric scheme uh, tested up there. And uh, people went up there for that. But in the run-up to the Mexico City Olympic Games of 1968, which were held at an altitude of over 2,000 2, metres above sea level, uh, the Australian Olympic Federation, as it was then, was keen to investigate possible altitude training venues in Australia. So they sent, I think, uh, some you know sports scientists. Sports scientists weren't that organised into as they are these days, but there were plenty of people around who were into exercise physiology and that sort of stuff. Uh, and they and some groups of athletes checked out some venues, of which Falls Creek was one. And I think the, fir the first group went there to have a look at the place in 1965. So it started around then and gradually grew to what it is now. Uh, so um, over, over time and just word of mouth advertising, I suppose, and like everything to do with running, once you know that a few good people train up there, you think, gee, there must be something in that, so you go up, you know, or, um, you know, the, the the top runners, the the, the uh, Wardlaws, the De Costellas, the Bill Scotts, these sort of people, they draw people up there anyway, so, um, which certainly happened with Falls Creek through the 80s and 90s as it grew and grew. Yeah, can you remember any like significant build-ups in those early days that people did and then went on and performed well overseas or anything like that? Anything well, stand out to you? Um, yeah, probably. Well, most of our early um, uh, world cross-country teams, because yep. you know, the, there was normally, a, or, or most frequently, there'd be a trial in the, in the early part of the year in Australia to select the team. So, you know, a lot of those people trained at Falls Creek over Christmas, New Year. The Christmas... By the time I went, uh, people have been going in, in reasonable numbers for about 10 or 15 years. And there'd probably be, you know, all up, there'd be 100 runners in the village. Um, we had, I, I can remember, I, I was hunting around for a couple of old pictures, which I'd unsuccessfully, but The Age, I think, came up and did a story one time and they had a picture of about a, the whole group running up the Mount Mackay Road at the start of the Sunday morning run, and there were about 70 or 80 runners in that pack. Uh, so, you know, they, it was quite big by the by the end of the 70s. Yeah, it grew pretty quickly. And the the set days and set workouts, which Rowan kind of spoke about in the uh, question there as well, I remember the times I've been there, it's 1K reps on the Tuesday, Deke's quarters yep. on the Wednesday, um, Fitzy's hut as a bit of a I think it's about 10 miles where you kind of might yep. jog the first 7 or 8k and once the hill hits you kind of run as hard as yep. you can yep. um, and then the long run on the Sunday and maybe like a medium long run on the Wednesday like and I think tower run on a Friday like tower run on a Friday is a big one yeah who, um, who settled that and like is it well I think I think some of the runs were quite obvious yeah um, you know the uh, although the uh, the great alpine walking track wasn't wasn't sort of done as a thing until the uh, around the 1980s sometime but that was you know the trails that that uses across the high plains were always uh, pretty available there's uh, a couple of uh, roads you know because it was uh, the access for the state electricity commission vehicles they had to have at least four-wheel drive and light truck uh, standard roads so there were there were quite a few roads going through places like um, Pretty Valley, 
and from Pretty Valley across to the Bogong High Plains Road, you can you know, run cross, cross country on an aqueduct. Uh, and the Spee and Co Ridge Run was sort of a pretty obvious one, which I think walkers and everything were doing by that stage. So, and, and a lot of those had four-wheel drive tracks at least um, access. So they were, you know, they were quite well marked. Well, I should, yeah, with the emphasis on the quite well uh, trails, you know, because people people found people always found a way to get lost, even if it meant running all the way down the hill at Fitzy's hut to. Uh, to the Omeo Road, which how anyone could run that far downhill always used to mystify us <laughs> without, uh, without realising they were going the wrong way and at least turning around. <laughs> but uh, there was an Irish girl, I think, who, who wound up at uh, the Shannon Vale property, which is, uh, well, actually, as you do the run, it's only about 6 or 8k down the, down the road to the bottom, but it's about 15k on the, on the road to get down to where she wound up. Uh, but anyway, there... They're all part of the folklore stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any other folklore stories? Like when we were talking the other day, oh, you were telling yeah, me about... Well, yeah, plenty of them. I, I mean, I, I suppose they start... I think we, we got on to the, to the things that sort of never happened. At yeah. Uh, and the first one that shocked us, uh, in the early to mid-90s, I think around 94, 95, we were organised enough to, uh, to get a national distance camp going at at Falls one year, which got some support from Athletics Australia and Athletics Victoria, and um, Ron, Ron Clark came up as a guest uh, and uh, gave a talk at the Falls Creek Motel, which was the, the social hub at the time, and uh, I remember one of the first questions he was asked, uh, you know, was sort of prefaced on the fact of, course, oh, well, when you trained up here, what did you do, Ron? And he said, oh, no, he said, I never trained up here. Yeah, this is the first time I've been here, so that was that was a great, um, and that one had a postscript which I also uh, remember well because uh, about ten years later, Monner and Troopy. Now I'm not saying they were at that first distance camp, but I reckon they might have been. So you've got to question their their concentration and their memory if that is the case. But um, Troopy. Uh, who was still running very seriously then, as distinct from Mona, who was only running seriously, um, suggested, well, you know, Clarkie once ran from Mount Beauty to, to Falls Creek, you know. We've got to do that, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, good idea. And we'll do a little bit better. We'll run to the top of Mount Mackay, which is, you know, behind the village and about an extra five or six K, I suppose, all uphill. All uphill, yeah. So... Uh, uh, Mona and uh, and Troopy did that run, calling in at uh, at Falls Creek, as I remember, for a bit of afternoon tea and a bit of encouragement and how good are we, <laughs> which uh, which was undoubtedly the case anyway. But uh, of course, yeah, as as we knew by then, Clarkie couldn't have done that run because he'd never been to Falls Creek. So, <laughs> so someone will top their run, I'd imagine, uh, in the years to come. But uh, at least they'll have done the run. <laughs> And we're talking like it'd be 34k all uphill, wouldn't it? Like elevation gain well, of 1500 yeah, meters. Well, I did it. I did some quick sort of surveying, and I reckon it's it's probably 40k at least. 40, of, yeah. Oh, and it's about a over well over a thousand meters. I think it, I think I worked out 1500 meter elevation change. So uh, yeah, but coming up that road, uh, one of our uh, Brian Lenton, the running author from Canberra, who whose historic book some of you might be aware of. Uh, he uh, 
he once decided he'd run from from Falls Creek down to Mount Beauty and of course we'd go down and pick him up and do some shopping down there and come back up and uh, that's one of the crazier runs I remember because it's it's not it's not uniformly up up or down on that hill most of it's up mm. overwhelmingly but there there are I tried to estimate it on the car speed after Brian had done this and when you run down the hill you say it's 32k downhill to Mount Beauty but about 6 or 8k is actually uphill and after you've got into you know there's no steep descents but after you've been running downhill for 5 or 6k to then turn around and run 1500 metres uphill a similar grade it's uh, it's pretty tough on the legs. <laughs> so, mm, yeah, it smashed the quads up a bit. The other guy who was there, and we always thought, now I'm not sure because I've never spoken to him about it uh, or seen him write precisely, but apparently Ralph Dubell, who was there early days, but he wasn't there be- before 1968, according to people I know who, who did a bit of training with his group. Um, he actually went later in his career when he was looking at moving up. So he still did Mexico City. That was probably his first big experience at being at high altitude, so, uh, which makes his run there even even greater that he, yeah. was, he was running at, at high altitude for the first time. But, uh, anyhow. And Ralph, wasn't he, you were telling me this the other day, that he was the one that kind of found the location for the K-Reps? He'd go out that direction when everyone else well, would go the yeah, opposite that's direction? The, that's the story. Um, in those, at that time, the, the road across the top wasn't a surf, uh, a, uh, an all an all weather road. Uh, I mean, it still isn't in the sense that it closes in winter when it gets snowed in, but um, it, it it was an unsealed road, just a, a dirt a dirt road, and uh, so that sort of did place a bit of a limit on how far you were happy to drive from Falls Creek to get to a run. But Langford's Gap is only six or seven k up the road. And uh, Ralph knew about that. Uh, I don't think it was a case that he, he didn't tell people. It was just that he knew about it and others didn't. And Peter Fuller, who was very, very talented uh, middle distance runner at the time, uh, he, he followed Ralph out to train him one day. And that's how he found, uh, you know, that's how Langford's Gap got to the sort of wider audience, if you like, um, and it's, it's now the hub for a, a lot of the runs, of course. Uh, Fitzy's Hut, uh, Spoon Co. track is out in the same direction. Uh, and the out and back runs. The first run I ever did at Falls Creek on a Saturday morning, I ran with Bill Scott, who I hadn't met, I don't think, at that stage. So I was running along with Scotty on the right aqueduct, which is about five and a half miles out to the road where you turn around and come back. and. On the way back, Scotty, who hadn't said much, said, mate, I'm just going to do a couple of little surges. And <laughs> off he went. And I sort of, I emulated his run without being able to keep up with him. And uh, it's, for, well, it's still the fastest. I've done that out and back run on the right aqueduct plenty of times. I've never done it as fast as I did it the first time. <laughs> yeah. Bring up a great point. I remember when I was, well before this podcast started, that, one time I um, called down with Coles Birmingham. Like you just find yep. yourself running next to people that you've always looked up to and then they start talking to you and it's like a really big 
like moment for a young kid and it, yeah, it's yep. a bit of inspiration and the same thing Mona on a long run one day I remember being up there and a couple of kids peeled off at Langford's and he was going the whole way back to the village and I got to you know jog next to Mona for five or six k back to the village so it's one of yep. those opportunities and in his question where you're talking about you know who gets to go anyone can go and you get to rub shoulders with these guys that we um, who are putting on the Australian singlets and representing our country yeah well that's 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 true I mean you, you can um you know, I mean, one of the funny things that occurs to me when I've been to so many um, sort of seminars at, at Falls Creek and, and listened to Mona and Chris and Deke and uh, Sonia O'Sullivan, any you know anyone who's speaking will say, "Oh, now, now it's very important not to overtrain up here." <laughs> but uh, but of course, everyone overtrains at Falls yeah. Creek. What's very important is they don't overtrain to the extent that you that you that you're absolutely wrecked after two or three days. But, yeah, I, I think everyone dives in a little bit uh, uh, into the deep end when they go. And as you say, I mean, if you, if you like I had, you know, I had the chance to, I, I was already running with pretty good runners, yeah. so it wasn't a huge jump. But Bill Scott, whose nickname was the living legend because you never saw that much of him until there he was running great, you know, um, you know, to run with Scotty, well, I didn't need to talk to him. I didn't need anything except to, you know, you're running alongside him. Yeah. You know? and, and whenever he did talk to you, he called you mate. You know? yeah. so, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was that was enough inspiration. But uh, who are, we'll get to the Australians in a second. But who are some of the bigger international names that you've seen training up there? Yeah, not well. Funnily enough, not that many. Mm. Um, I mean, Mo, Mo Farah. Could have, and he um, he might have gone up the times he came out and trained with uh, uh, the Melbourne Track Club people in Australia, but I don't think he did. Uh, but I'd I'd be no better than fifty fifty on that. But the ones I, Ingrid Christensen was one of the biggest names mm. I know. She um, she contacted I think it was through Pat Clohessy at the Institute of Sport uh, and. Um, Pat had all, uh, always based his uh, small AIS tours in the in Scandinavia and got to know the um, uh, the Swedes and the Norwegians and that sort of stuff. And she contacted, I think it was organised by the coaches. She came out in 1988, the uh, the Women's World Road Running Championships, which was 15k, was being held in Adelaide. And the week after, the World Cross Country was in Auckland. So yeah. the only time both those events have been down in this part of the area. And she came out for both. So she came out about a month before to do some training at Falls Creek. And uh, uh, Anne and I, my, my wife, um, Anne Lord and I, met them at Albury Airport and drove up to Falls with them. And then Anne could only stay for a day because she had proper work. Uh, I had I just worked for a newspaper, so I could I could stay as long as I said it took to do the story. Um, I stayed up there for a few days with her, and she spent a, a, about a month training at Falls before she went and won both those both those titles. So um, that's pretty special was, to get an insight was, into her training like that, and then watch her run and win. And there was a group about a couple of years before that a group of Swedes who'd come out to train in Canberra at the Institute uh, I took I took them up um, and there's a there's a speaking of runs that were never done there's a uh, 
that summer, Deke had been at Falls Creek, and uh, I said to uh, Rob was telling us before before he left or before we left, I can't remember which, that he was going to run. He wanted to do a session six reps up the Mount Mackay Summit track, mm-hmm. which to briefly describe it, you know, there's a road that runs around uh, the bowl up at that altitude, but the last 600 metres up to the summit of Mackay where there's a weather station uh, is just up a sort of a, a rocky four-wheel drive track with, and pretty steep, steeper than the than the surrounding uh, countryside. So um, Deke was going to do six reps up up that and uh, we were looking after the suites a little bit in Canberra and I was telling them about the about the train you know they wanted to know all about the training and I was going to take them down to Falls Creek which I did and uh, I mentioned this session at Deeks and their best 10k runner in the group who was really he was keen on any anything Deke did he, mm. he was going to try and do um, and uh, he he uh, Oh, he heard the six by uh, six by six hundred metres up to the top, up to the summit of Mackay, and thought that sounded pretty good. And uh, um, I went back, and uh, when they came back to Canberra, we had a bit of a, a debrief. And I said to Lars Eric, I said, "How'd you go on the Mackay reps?" And he said, "Oh." He said, that man, that's a killer. You know, that was two. I did two and that was it. I couldn't do it. Anyway, the, the next Sunday on the uh, Sunday afternoon run, I was running with Deacon. I was telling him about that and he just started laughing his head off. He said, he said, Shit. He said I never did that. <laughs> I did one and I got halfway up the second. I thought, this is too bloody hard. This is mad. <laughs> so Deke did one and whatever. <laughs> And last Eric did too, but no one ever actually did six by six by six hundred up to the top of Mackay. So, so is this different to where the like Melbourne Track Club guys do there? I've never done the hill uh, reps. They I do eight hundred. Yeah, they use a bit of that that bowl. It's the yep. it's the ruined castle bowl, and there's a there's a road, there's a loop road that goes around to Pretty Valley, uh, uh, and also up to the summit of uh, of Mackay. So it's a pretty commonly used area. Yeah. Uh, I'm not aware anyone else has done reps up that track, but probably everything that anyone says has happened at Falls Creek, or yeah. at least it's been talked about. Well, someone will listen to this and do it next year now, just yeah, to see I, how many they can get done. I'm not try, so they might, they might like to, uh, the local SES, if they're listening, they might like to be <laughs> on the standby. <laughs> And regards to Australians, like you've spoken about Troopy and Mona, um, Deke, yeah. I'm sure like Benito would have done stints up there as well. Anyone else that stands out to you? Yeah, uh, well, um, yeah, mostly the the runs are sort of pretty standard now with a few variations. Like, you know, Mona, I think, invented the the, the right-hand turn down to the uh, to the aqueduct when you get back on you know the round the lake run so and running on the aqueduct instead of on the road uh, which is a much better idea now the road surfaced um, so yeah but probably the runs that stand out in in my mind from our experience are the the, the one, couple of runs we call the epics um, we did a bogong to falls creek run once um, up Mount Bogong, across the plain, then down a, a down and up a, spur, a couple of spurs to the to the big river, 
and across the high plains to finish. And that was about, we, well, we never knew how long that was. We figured about marathon distance, marathon effort, marathon distance. Uh, we did that one year, and then the next year, a couple of us, we'd always grown up with this story about one of the uh, early Box Hill groups that went up there, uh, some of them heading off to run to Mount Hoffman back. But they never got there because they took a wrong turn or whatever, or it took longer than they thought. We don't shrouded in the mist of time the actual reason. So they they turned around and and came back. So it was always a bit of a goal we used to talk about that one year we'll do Hotherman back. And uh, once the Great Alpine Walking Track was sort of well marked, it was a pretty easy pretty easy track to follow. <laughs> Maybe not to run, but to follow. And it wasn't as hard as the as the Bogon one, just longer, about 50k round trip. So we did that too. But you know they were more the, um, you know we used to call them epics, mm. which, which in our mind they were. But every year the ultras do a Mount Bogong to Hotham race. So you know um, it's not epic in their eyes, but in ours it is. Well, Moose is actually the record holder of that race. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but yeah. it doesn't surprise me. It's before he got into his, uh, you know, his focusing on marathons. That's what he used to do. So, yeah, yeah that was pretty I epic as well. I don't think me telling this story. Um, too bad if he does. Uh, but he did it one year, and he uh, he was only ever going to run to Langford's Gap. Yeah. And he, he was killing them up the first you know, the first part of it, including the downhill and the uphill, but he, he somewhere hit a wall. And uh, I remember um, Chris Chris Wardlow and I ran out to meet him and run back into Langford's with him. And uh, Chris dropped off with a, a stomach complaint uh, or something. So it was just me and I met mine and I turned around and, and was running probably about the last three or four K into Langford's with him. And... Uh, we came across from the Spoon Co track onto the aqueduct, and I sort of I was real. I realised I was having to wait for him a bit, and uh, I thought, oh well, shit, he's run, he's run, you know, nearly 40k up and down bloody uh, huge uh, sp- uh, mountain spurs, and uh, so he's probably a bit tired. We got onto the aqueduct, and Mona said, oh, he said, mate, can you just just run away from me, will you? <laughs> he said, I'm just in survival mode here. So so I. Um, that was about the last time I beat Moner in anything. Yeah, good story. I hadn't yeah. heard that one before. <laughs> i got a Deke story along the same lines too. If you yeah, can. definitely. Let's share that one as well. He dropped him. Well, Deke, Deke had a, a period away from Falls where he didn't go for quite a few years because he, um, he was living in the States for one thing and that sort of stuff and he just didn't. I think he went to um, he went to Charlotte's Pass a few a few times too, and uh, but he came back in the early '90s when he um, he won the Rotterdam Marathon in '91 and made the Olympic team in '92, and, uh, and and did did falls and he brought his group down from Canberra. So Gary Briggs, you know, all very good mm. distance runners, Gary Briggs, Graham Clues, a couple of others. Anyway, we did Fitzy's hut one day and. I was way off there then by the time we got to the snow plane, which is a four-wheel drive track for a long, quite a long way. 
very smooth running, but you've got to be able to pick your feet up and put them back down in the wheel rut mm. or you run into big trouble. Anyway, I was about, well, I suppose I was nearly a K behind those guys, and I kept seeing these puffs of dust. I thought, God, it's dry, but it's not that dry. And I couldn't, what was happening, they were falling over. They, <laughs> they couldn't keep their feet in the... Uh, in the uh, in the in the uh, in the wheel ruts, so I'm for about uh, a couple of k up the top of the top of Victoria. I was running down Deke and Graham Clues and Gary Briggs <laughs> and all those guys. Uh, Barrett, you know, I was I was catching them all. I but kept then we hit some rougher ground again, and they got away from me. But uh, yeah, well, so it's, that... a, it's a good segue to talking about the surface, like. If you haven't been there, it's it's very hard place to run quick. Like you think about, you yep. think about where people might do K reps or or four hundred meter reps when they're on the track or on bike paths yep. or whatever it is when they're not at Falls Creek. When you get to Falls Creek, all that gets taken out because it's it's rocky, it's unstable. As you said, it's kind of like four drive tracks, not like fire roads or anything like that. Um, yep. And it's, it's quite dangerous. Like, do you reckon? And I start seeing well, like. Yeah, I reckon, well... At speed? You've probably got to be a little bit conscious of where you're putting your feet. Yeah. That's, that's true. But, you you know, you're running on good tracks and, and the the the, the, point, the spots that have been sort of become popular over the years as to where to do the, you know, the 400s of uh, Fartlek or the Ks or whatever session you're doing are, are the better, you know, the best parts. Mm. Uh, so they're... They can be a bit challenging, and oh, sure. uh, it does take a little bit of getting used to. And um, probably if you're there for a week, you, you, you all you'd think was, well, yeah, maybe it's. But we were there for four weeks in 1980, uh, five weeks all up, and um, the tracks were possibly a little bit better then because they they still with the SEC maintaining the. Uh, the access to the aqueducts and the uh, and the, the the power lines and stuff, they um, their vehicles sort of kept the grass down and, yeah. and you know, uh, so they're probably a little bit better then, but they're still they're still excellent uh, places to run. And, and now that everyone, you know, the numbers that go in both in both the thousands uh, and the and the four hundreds, you know, it's keep to the left. So yeah. you go up one side, come back the other. Well. If you haven't figured out where the where the rocks and the little dips are by then, you know, you, yeah. maybe you should be doing another sport. <laughs> it, it is interesting when you want to maybe overtake as well, and you look out, yeah. and there's people coming towards yeah. you on the other like, yeah. side of the track, and it's a yeah, it's it's a, a unique situation, and there's there's so many like cool videos and photos and stuff like that that often pop up this time of the year that just show what it, what it's like up there have you ever done a count on how many people have done like what's, uh, what's how many people do a workout well the I, people do counts um you know i think we've had up to 130 or so doing the uh you know the towers one that most people sort of do a count at some stage because everyone starts and finishes at the same place and the yeah. 400s obviously and the 1K reps or monofartlek or 200s, whatever you're doing that day, um, you know. Although people, some people start from around the scout up now, where the, which is where the uh, the K uh, uh, is sort of done. Um, but 
everybody, everybody at some stage, everyone will be in the in the one point on those runs. So, yeah, I wouldn't be uh, uh, precise on the figures, but we've certainly had well, you know, well over a hundred a, a lot of times on all those sessions. And, mm. Uh, the numbers that go up this year was down a bit, I think, probably almost by half, but for obvious reasons, I think. Um, yeah. There were a lot of groups that, that didn't go because of all the uncertainty, and there were, the groups that did go were probably, you know, not as not as big. But most of the same groups that go were there again this year, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. You got any other, I think we've done a good job so far, Len. Have you got any other stories, anything of note that stands out that's oh, worth, worth documenting? Oh, yeah, probably just, I think, in the way it, it grew, um, you know, the influence of, of the Melbourne University Athletic Club, who were probably, you know, due to the nature of the, I dare say, most of the exercise physiologists who went up and sports scientists who went up in that first group were Melbourne Uni. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne Uni base because it was uh, Monash, Monash Uni had probably just opened by then but at that stage Melbourne Uni was the university in, in Victoria so um, you know they had they had a group and I think they would have had access to accommodation I'm guessing because uh, Melbourne Uni I think has a ski lodge up there uh, and I think in, recent, in more recent times that's where their people have tended to stay too and then Box Hill uh, strangely enough, who um, gradually, as a big group, got away f- from training at Falls a bit and training at Fernie Creek too. But they they had a lot of people up there early, and Alan Barlow, the uh, the legendary coach at Box Hill, uh, he was also the sportsmaster, I think, at uh, Carey Grammar, and they had access to a lodge, which is still still at Falls Creek, and. Um, uh, Pat, Pat, Pat Scammell's kids were staying at the Carey, Carey Lodge this year, so I don't know if that, in the old days, that would have presaged a, a transfer move to mm-hmm. uh, Fox Hill, which I'd be very concerned about. But, uh, uh, you know, they always had a group, and, and they were they were amongst the first group that were up there and, and got the, you know, got the numbers going. And then in the early 70s, Glenn Huntley started going up there in a group, you know, Trevor Vincent and everyone but Clarkey. Um, you know, they they were going up there regularly. So even as I said, even by the by the time I started there were there were probably close to a hundred runners at falls. They weren't quite as organised into big groups as we are now. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Has anyway so, you mentioned um I think Trevor Vincent's name before. Like who else has been a long time supporter of it? Oh, gee, that's... Um, yeah, you don't, well, want, I, you don't want to miss anyone here. <laughs> well, I will, so I apologise yeah. to people I, don't, uh, I miss. And if, if I suddenly blurt out a name in the middle of what seems like a coherent sentence, that'll be one mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, Dick, Dick Telford's been there a number of times. Dick's oh, yeah. sort of a bit torn between Falls and, um, and Charlotte's Pass, but I think he... I think he's finally come to the view that Charlotte's Pass might be a bit better for 1,500-type uh, runners because there, there is closer access to a track there too. Uh, but for distance running, Falls is better. Uh, Pam, Pam Turney in the early days for... Um, uh, um, she had 
a lot of her group would go up there. Yeah. Um, one of our, our few outstanding female coaches. Um, Liz, Liz Matthews is there quite often, most years, I think. Um, now, um, oh, yeah, it's real. It's a real um, who's who, really, you know. If you think of someone, they, they've, they've probably been there at least to check it out. Uh, Justin Rinaldi. Yeah. We, we can claim Justin because Justin went up and uh, Justin, he, he, his inquisitive mind was, was everywhere. You know, he wanted to do, know what everyone did and why you did it and all that sort of stuff. And he came up with a session. He used to get a little bit of stick from us because he did, they did this 600 session across the dam wall when the dam wall was the only surface part of the road beyond the village. You, oh, know, yeah. so, okay. you know, you could run the 600 metres on the asphalt and uh, Justin did that despite getting a fair bit of rubbish in. Well, I'd suggest on his record now, maybe we should, you yeah. know, as much as everyone's switching to Ks, we should be maybe switching to 600s on the dam wall if we... Fourth place at the Olympics of Pete Bowl looks pretty good. We want to run like Peter Bowl and a few others. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but yeah, so Justin was there. Um, oh, gee, you know, Pat uh, Clovesi, of course, for numerous occasions. Um, yeah, just just heaps of people. And Mottram always did big stints up there? Yeah, he did big stints up there. He didn't, Craig used to, well, he'd always be there for part of the of the peak period. Uh, but he used to come, I think, after New Year and, and stay up there for a month or so. And he'd do a stint before Christmas too. Um, you know, so he was a, a believer. We went up and stayed with him one weekend once when he was up there. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, uh, Bill Scott... Uh, Dave Fitzsimons, I, well, this is one of the stories I told in, in a piece I did for Runners Tribe recently. Uh, Dave Fitzsimons was the brilliant South Australian runner who, who died a couple of years ago, um, tragically young, in his late 50s, I think. Uh, but Fitzy, was the, he ran 13.17 when Clarkie still held the Australian record at 13.16. So that was in 77, and it took until 2000. Uh, what, yeah, yeah, it took Troopy another 30 years to break it. So it was, Dave, Dave had never been to Falls, and he came up to Falls um, one year that I was there, and he wasn't, I don't think he was ever intending to stay there for a long time, but he thought he'd come up and check it out at least. And uh, he got to Falls, and he was, he was staying in the uh, uh, flat that Chris Wardler had organised, for Bill Scott, but Scotty wasn't due to arrive until the next day. So Rab said, oh, well, I can put you in, in Scotty's flat, you know, and uh, you'd be right there. Anyway, Scotty, being Scotty, Scotty did turn up that day, you know, and he got up at about 10 o'clock at night and uh, he, he'd come in and he's seen Fitzy and he, and he said, oh, well, I couldn't wake him up and kick him out of bed. <laughs> so so um, he... He went and slept on the couch, and uh, the next day, Fitzy had one one run, and looked at the bed. I think it might have been the tower run where you don't see a tree anyway, <laughs> and just stony road. He uh, he he went home after one run, and he said to Rab, oh, "This place is like the moon, mate." 
don't know how you stay up here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and it was like the moon because it didn't have too many things that were open, like shops and milk bars and <laughs> yeah. coffee shops that you have now. But uh, yeah, it was a funny. Uh, it was, that was one story we always laughed about. Fitzy's one day at Falls Creek. Still, there's not much more to do. Like, it's not like it's got a cinema or anything like a bowling, tempin bowling no, or anything like that now. It's it did have a cinema. Did have a cin- cinema one year now. Oh, did it? Yeah, cafe. Cafe Milch, yeah. when that uh, complex opened through our uh, village, they had, and they've still got it downstairs. I think they might still rent it out for seminars and meetings. Yeah. But there's a downstairs, uh, and they had a, a, I don't know, 30 or 40 seat cinema, and they, they showed movies every night, which, you know, we we kept them going, I think, because we've got a few movie buffs in our, yeah. in our group. So <laughs> we... Uh, I saw the hurricane up there, you know, the story of Reuben yeah. Carter, and uh, another, yeah. So uh, it took us back, way back. The only place, the only place that was open for accommodation and meals, and did occasionally have film nights was the Falls Creek Motel up in the Village Bowl. Yeah. And uh, we used to often go up there uh, for dinner once a week, and uh, and maybe a, a movie, and. Um, you know, when there was a big blackout this New Year's Eve, which was quite unusual because it doesn't happen these days. But back in the day, you know, you'd be, you go up to the Falls Creek Motel and if there was a bit of thunder and lightning around, which there often was at night time, there'd be a, a build-up to a storm which may or may not break. And, uh, you know, you'd sit down for dinner and every so often there'd be a, a lightning flash across a roll of thunder and a flickering of the lights, you know. And it's the same when we're watching movies. You know, every so often the uh, 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 the movie had just stopped, the projector had stopped because the, the power went off briefly. But, uh, we actually saw, um, now what is, I think the title of the film is The Marathon, um, up there, which is a story on the... Uh, uh, a famous director whose name escapes me did a story on the uh, on the Rome Olympic marathon. Okay, yeah. He had, he had uh, it was four athletes coming from different parts of the world. One of whom was an Australian Indigenous runner who these slim, 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 dusty types discovered outside Alice Springs, you know, and trained up. There was a, an English runner who was being pushed along by his coach to run sub sub two hours with the great line sub two hours that's impossible that's why we're going to do it <laughs> so, uh, an american playboy type runner <laughs> they all met contrasting fates in the rome olympic marathon including one who their interpretation of the war was this runner was the american guy i think you know became delirious late in the race with dehydration ran off the road and ran into a wall. <laughs> so he, he's the only runner in marathon history to, to literally uh, hit one. fictional or real to literally hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, really so that was, that was one of the films that the Falls Creek Motel regaled us with back in the day. <laughs> Jeez, you've got a good memory, Len, to be able to recall some of this stuff. Ah, uh, well, it's all, you know, it's, yeah, it's an ability to remember the unimportant things and forget the important <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you on the spot with the last couple of minutes here. Give me yep. um, what was your favourite athletics moment, maybe as an Australian athlete from 2021? What stood out to you? Any highlights? Give me give me two or three. Oh, well, I'll give you one uh, because of uh, a bit of 
personal involvement in it uh, was Peter Bowl. Yeah. Uh, because we we did a walk in the Northern Territory where we were out of out of reach for the first well it's got to be the first four days of the Olympics, but we got back to Darwin to stay at our mate's place uh, on the night of the 800 final. So. And by the time we got there, I'd had one phone conversation with someone uh, in Sydney uh, who told me how well Peter Bowl was running, and he's a big chance in the final tonight. And the other link to that story was my mate runs a construction company, and Peter had worked for him uh, for a couple of years, I think, as a surveyor or, you know, just a, a general dog's body on the sites, you know, so a bit of surveying work, a bit of... You know, holding the, uh, the surveyor's uh, rod for the, the qualified surveyor to do work. So we all had a we all had a bit of a personal link to that one. So that was a, a big favourite. Um, oh, look, I mean Kipchoge. I mean, what a highlight that was. Yeah, makes it look easy, you doesn't know, he? Get, they, if it's shoes, they all had the shoes. You know, mm. there's no, you know, whatever the circumstances. He was just better and so obviously superior to everyone in that race it was just a commanding performance um and i love the paras mm. i mean i saw again like in london eight years ago i absorbed it all or nine years ago i absorbed it all via television and the coverage i thought our coverage was outstanding and it's taken a long time but uh, we've all lived through abysmal Olympic coverage after the years but you know with the with the multi channels and, and the ability to to call on more than just the people that the host broadcast has got you know we had expert commentary we had people we had people who when they didn't know something were smart enough not to say anything mm. you know that required knowledge even you know just it all it all fitted together seamlessly so the paras and um, was was great um you know jared clifford's running uh milers club races especially last year and so he's a favorite at milers club which i'm involved with uh yeah and uh, probably kelsey barber too yeah. which was just it's a bit like her winner that that performance wasn't quite out of the blue because she had been gradually improving but gee where she was at the start of the season and even when she went to europe and not throwing 60 metres too often before then to come through and, and go all the way through to getting a bronze medal, I thought was a was a fantastic performance. Yeah. And McDermott, I mean, yeah. that's, that's one of the best comps I've seen. Yeah, and 2022, anyone, I reckon I asked you this last time, who was going to be the next star coming through? You got anyone you're keeping an eye on, excited to right. see them perform? <laughs> Did I mention Ollie Hoare then? I think you went with Matthew Ramson, <laughs> actually. The other thing, Matthew Ramsden. Oh, okay. Well, he did pretty well. He did, yeah. He did bloody well. I mean, it's hard yeah, for fifteen hundred meter boys now, though, isn't it? It's got to be. It's got to be, uh, be uh, tempered with the fact that uh, I mean, he was in events. Any other event he was in, if he was that good, he was in the team. Mm. So, you know, uh, um, oh, up and comers. Oh, look, it's really, it's really hard. Uh, Jack Lunn, I was impressed down here um the young girl from sydney uh, jayla hancock cameron, cameron or, yep yep she's yeah, i'm liking her and um uh probably um 
Abby Corwell, who just missed out again in an event where we were strong and could have otherwise been in. Um, and uh, the young 800 runner, Ellie Sanford. But there's a lot around. I, I mean, I am starting to lose touch a bit now, I realise, because oh, I don't... It's I don't hard, though, isn't it? ...tracks as much, and it's as... You know, so you don't know all the names as well. But, um, I mean, we've got some exciting talent. And the, the thing, if I can just have one final... Yeah. The thing that really impressed me this year was that we did it in every event group. Mm. You know, we had someone... You know, I think the only event group that didn't provide a top eight at the Olympics was sprints. And yet, yeah, you know, I mean, Rowan Browning, 10.01 at the Olympics, he's on the, he's on the verge of running sub-10, I would think, you know. Uh, and, you know, he's just got to run that the right place at the right time. And he's he's got to be in a, a world championship final. Um, and, you know, um, Barsic in the... In the women's sprints, you know, there's a few starting to come through there already. So, yeah, I mean, we're just looking good across the board, which yeah, I think I know everyone looks for medals, and that's what funding's based on. But you know, when you see event after event where Australians are competing and competing well, I think that uh, that's yeah. really inspiring. It was like that with the Olympics. Like you could turn the TV on and be, you know, the 800 with Pete Bowl, and you knew he was, you know, he could have a crack and have a shot. And then the 15s with Stewie and Ollie yep. and uh, Jai and Jess and Lyndon. It was just like Jenny Blundell, like they're they're all here. Izzy Bat Doyle, yep. Rose, like they're yeah. It's pretty exciting. Yep. It must be exciting for you, someone who's covered the sport for a long time. To yeah, be yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it is, and and they're just. Um, I think people are starting to to realise. One thing that may be different this year, you know, last year, both the uh, both COVID and the and the location of the Olympics probably forced Australians to to do more of their pre- or more Australians to do most of their preparation here, mm. which I realise is is very very difficult in today's modern world where you'd need to earn some money to to survive, uh, but. You know, when you can do it, it's a, it's a big plus, and it, it's just a beautiful thing. I remember going to Fukuoka the first time I went there with with Chris Wardlaw, and just hearing everyone else moan and bitch about, oh shit, can't sleep, traffic's on the wrong side of the road, this that, mm. you know. And we think, hey, this is where we live. Mm. You know, this is our short trip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's a big plus. So you know whether. You know, so there might be some elements of 2021 that that are not repeatable, but it it it's a very encouraging uh, basis, I think, to look forward for the next four or five years, so, uh, yeah. which we haven't always been able to say in Australia. No, especially with the double championships, like the Con Games and the World Champs, yeah, so close, yeah. like that momentum yeah. more, will carry in. More people will get an opportunity, which is something that some of us have always pushed for and believed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, so yeah, yeah, lots to look forward to. Awesome, Len. With that, I could do this all day, but I've got to got to let you go. That was um, the second time, and no doubt there'll be a third time next time. We need some kind of expert opinions, expert knowledge on the show. Thank you for this. When you get all when you get all the uh, responses to this saying, "Ah, that didn't happen. <laughs> that, that Blake doesn't know what he's talking about." Yeah, that's why you're on here, so we don't get that that'll, directly. That'll be with us. very like conversation at Falls Creek every year. <laughs> Thanks, Len Johnson. We appreciate your time again today. No worries, Brody. Okay.